Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Three on two. Hero. Adebayo to Max Struess for three. And he hits it. And that might just about do it. Well, it did. Uh, that's our friend Kate Scott last night. Sixers lose 99-82, to back end of a, uh, well, you know, in Miami, uh, back-to-back. Uh, I'm Glenn Macnow, Ray Dinger uh, here today. How are you, Ray? I'm fine, Glenn. A little walk over dodging the raindrops? Uh, a little a little rainy out there, yeah. yeah. It'll be nice. <laughs> it's getting up to 78 this week, Ray. Yeah, tomorrow, and then it's going to take a plunge again. But, uh, yeah, the next two days will be uh, definitely a pre- – I was going to say a preview of spring. might be a preview of summer. Warm up the barbecue grill, Ray Dinger. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I was going to say break out the shorts, but as we know, you do not wear shorts. So. That would be correct. All right, well, get the lightweight khakis if you got them because it's going to be a – Nice couple of days in the Delaware Valley. Not a good night last night down in South Beach. As we say, the Sixers lose 99-82 to to the Miami Heat. Uh, no James Harden on the road playing the team with the best record in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Sixers had had, you know, those two consecutive comeback wins. It looked a little bit like they would do it yesterday, but uh, they fall short. We'll get to the reasons why. They had scored 120 points or more in James Harden's first four games last night without him, 82. Let me run some of the numbers by you then, Ray, and kind of get your thoughts on it. Uh, Joel Embiid has 22 points, shot four for 15. Um, he looked tired. Yeah, he definitely looked tired. Missed four three-pointers, 15 rebounds. Tyrese Maxey, who's played so, so well, 17 points last night. And I guess the first thing I'll, I'll ask you is kind of the obvious question kind of see the value of James Harden when he doesn't play, don't you? Yeah, you do. Uh, he makes a difference. There's no question about that. And um, without him, they they, lo- they did look like a different team. But most more than anything else, they just looked like a, a tired team. I mean, how I lost count of how many balls clanked off the front of the rim. Short. You know, yeah. I mean, just they, they were just shooting short all night. And that that's a sign of, you know, tired legs and just weariness. And it's Totally understandable. I mean, they had played a, a real high-paced, high-scoring game the night before against a good Cleveland team uh, and really had to pour it on in the second half to come back. So, And then jump on a plane and fly to Miami and get to the hotel at 3 o'clock in the morning and then, uh, you know, and then come out and play a, a very good Miami team that was well-rested. Uh, I mean, it was even with Harden, I think this one would have been an uphill fight, and it clearly was all the way. And, you know, you just, you just look at the stats, and, uh, you know, you got them there in front of you as – you know, they shot 34%, and there were seven for 41 from three. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's the fact that they, they hoisted it up 41 times from three tells you that they were kind of a tired team. <laughs> I don't want to run all the way down. I'll just heave it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's sort of how they look. But, you know, yeah. when you and I talked about it before we signed off yesterday, I mean, we both, we both kind of said, I think this is going to be, you know, I'll, frankly, I'll be surprised if they win tonight. And, you know, and that's the way it turned out. I don't think there's any long-term, there's any long-term significance to this. You know, Harden will be back. They'll come home, they'll play Chicago, and then uh, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, when the Nets come to town. Doc Rivers took some heat earlier this year when he referred to, or maybe it was last year, I don't remember, when he referred to a game as a scheduled loss. And I suppose you don't ever want to hear the coach say that, right? I mean, you certainly wouldn't, you, you wouldn't hear Nick Sirianni say that, but right. basketball's, basketball's is different. And whether whether it's appropriate for the coach to say it or not, last night's game Definitely felt like that. And I had no problem with them resting Harden. The guy is coming off of a left hamstring injury. You know, he missed that time. He played all these games, played so well. There are people, including people on our station, Ray, who get upset at these scheduled nights off. You have 82 games to play before the playoffs. You are paid a very high salary. Back in the day, Wilt never took a scheduled night off, Ray. He played more than 48 minutes a night. Right. So should we be outraged? No. Outraged, damn it. No. 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 <laughs> well, hold on, let me build up the outrage and then and then dismiss it. No. I don't After- I mean I don't I don't love it. I mean I don't love it as a principle. I don't I don't like the term load management. I don't know where that actually came from to be honest with you, but I mean that's kind of the way of the NBA right now. And you've got, you know, James Harden has played a lot of basketball uh in the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's, you know, the Sixers have played a number of games and he's played 36 37 minutes in all of them. Uh, and he was coming off a time when he had sat down with a hamstring problem and has had that before. So, no, I mean, the whole point of this is getting this team as good as it can be and getting him as ready as he can be for the postseason. So, you know, in what I think they all knew was going to be a tough game down in Miami, give him the night off, don't have him play back-to-back, and then, you know, let him rest up and then play this week. I, don't, I knew people would, because everybody was tuning in to see James Harden at this point. I mean, we sure. know what the TV ratings have been. I mean, he's... You know, he's got, he's got a real buzz going in this town, so everybody was tuning in to see him against Miami, and I'm sure there was a lot of disappointment on the part of some of the fans that saw him sitting there in civvies on the bench. But I get it. I understand why they did it. And if, it's, uh, it, and if it allows for a better James Harden down the road, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I thoroughly agree with you. I know that people get upset, but I am not among them. The, um, they made a little bit of a run in the third quarter. I think they took it down to two, um, and then Maxie couldn't get it going in the fourth quarter as he had in the past, and Embiid couldn't sink those three-pointers that we, that we shot about. Embiid has is, is been cold on the three. But, again, I'm not going to worry. This is the only thing I will say about it. Um, on those nights, it's, you know, it's the second night of a back-to-back, is when you really need your bench to step up or your second-wave guys, right? Mm-hmm. Vibel was terrible. He had zero points in 22 minutes. Ray, I don't think you can do worse than that. Uh, no, probably not. Korkmaz had two points in 21 minutes. Danny Green had six points in 20 minutes. Uh, Nyang had nine. Isaiah Joe had two. And that's when you need those guys to stop, step up, and they didn't. The good news is in the playoffs there are no back-to-backs, right? Right. In the good news in in the playoffs, it's like your stars are either going to play up to their level or they're not, and you're not going to have to worry about Isaiah Joe being a guy that you have to care about. No, you get to the playoffs and you generally play with with eight players, and that's and that's generally the way it works because of the way the schedule falls. You know, everybody shortens their bench. 
Um, and so I, I don't really think that's going to be a factor. I think the Sixers' top eight can play with pretty much anybody. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're, we're okay about that. We're all okay. We'll see how people think. I, I, I know there are those who panic, who say, oh, oh, look, you start playing the good teams. But if you're realistic, it's fine. Uh, as you said earlier, the Sixers return home to play the Bulls on Monday night. And then they are home Wednesday against the Nets, the game that everybody has been waiting for, Ray Dinger, mm-hmm. except, of course, that Ben Simmons is going to be, what, about 75 miles away? Yeah, he won't be anywhere near Philadelphia. Yeah. Won't, won't, he, would, he will not be in this area code. Um, someone posted yesterday uh, a little Twitter uh, video of him in practice with the Nets getting uh, shooting instruction. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God that the thing was only three shots long, right? He took three shots during his, whatever, 30, 40 seconds. Right. And he was 10 feet away, and he missed two of the three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his elbows clanking out. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyway, do you think New Jersey, and I know I don't want to get too sidetracked into this, but do you think New Jersey's getting uh, buyer's remorse at all? Not yet. Okay. You Not think yet. they will? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. No <laughs> okay. question. Okay. No question. I mean, for for a couple of days there, um, I mean, it was the land of milk and honey up there. I mean, people were just doing backflips over. You know, I saw I saw in the New York press that wonderful term coming back again, generational talent. <laughs> I said, well, well, well. Guess what? You folks, you'll learn. You'll yeah. learn. It's uh, it, you know, for now, I mean, that, that's how they're going to sell it, uh, and. You know, the Nets, for the people who actually kind of got on board with the idea that they had built the super team and they were going to win a championship, well, they didn't do it last year, and they've tried to reconfigure it this year, uh, and now they're sort of putting all their apples in in that uh, in the Ben Simmons cart, and I think yeah. they're going to wind up just as disappointed as the people in Philadelphia. I imagine they will. I told you before, it reminds me, I know it's a different sport, different era, different thing, but it reminds me of when Rich Kotite went to New York and all those New York papers. What's his name? Mark Canizaro. Remember that guy? Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys in Philadelphia, you don't know what you did. Look what you ran out of town. Let the record reflect, Ray, that Rich Coates was 4-28 and in two years with the New York Jets. Yeah, and Mark's still covering the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> and they probably won about four games since then. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Uh, 215-592-9494. We're going to grab a couple calls in the first segment, but I want to throw in a second topic, which is the NFL uh, season begins in 10 days. You and I haven't talked a lot about the quarterback. That certainly gets covered everywhere else. Uh, it's discussed a lot on this station. Um, but if nothing else, um, the combine is about watching big guys dance between cones and also interpreting the words of coaches and GMs, right? Yes. A lot of parsing of words. Right. So I've heard everybody else on this, so I, I would like us to just kind of weigh in officially. Uh, by the way, you and I are both off next weekend. I don't know what's going to happen between now and the start of the season, so I kind of wanted to get us on the record. We are doing, what is it, March the 16th, which is the day the season starts. That's a Wednesday. Mm, right. We're going to be doing that Eagles Town Hall, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be, that. that will be fun, yeah. yeah. That's, when things, that's when things will really, really get underway. But there has been... You know, there has been some interesting stuff going down out in Indianapolis. Anybody that's been paying attention, well, there's been there's been some good stuff. Yeah, and we're going to actually do a whole segment where you're going to go through a lot of that with your draft report later. But the one thing I want to get now is just just kind of, I think you and I are on the same page with the quarterback. I, I kind of know that we are. But I want to ask you, do you place any priority on Howie Roseman being interviewed at the Combine 
and saying he feels um, stronger with Hertz than ever before. Um, I'm going to read you the question. I believe it was Elliot Shore Parks at WIP asked the question. Then I'm going to read you his answer and just have you, Ray, interpret it um, in the perspective that it belongs. Okay. The question was, the last time we talked at the end of the season, you, Howie, were confident that Jalen Hurts would be the guy. After a month of contemplation and research, do you still feel the same way about Hurts? Here's Howie's answer. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think when you talk about all the things we talked about at the end of the season, nothing has changed. I think what really has changed for us is the opportunity to add. We have to continue to add good players. We have to continue to make sure that we're doing everything we can to maximize our players' ability to be successful, and certainly that starts at the quarterback position with Jalen. Um, go ahead, Ray. What is he saying? Uh, well, what did I, I, he say and what did he mean? Well, he said two different things. He said two different things. I mean, initially it was, yeah, of course, he's our guy. And then we got into the, you know, with the, with the team, it's always about looking to improve. So, you know, he, initially it was a very strong, yeah, we stand behind, I stand behind my words and we stand behind the player. And then came the, the nuance, you know, which is, that's, that's part of what general managers do in, in the NFL. So I kind of get that. Um, I thought that when Nick Sirianni followed Howie to the podium, uh, of course, the, the questioning went very much down the same road. Uh, and Nick Sirianni, to me, was, was far more emphatic about, yes, 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 it is Jalen Hurts. Uh, and, there was, and he was asked, you know, the, the same question three or four different ways, three or four different times. Uh, and he never, there, there was never any backpedal there. I thought there, I thought there was some backpedal in Howie. Yeah, I, I didn't think there was any. Wiggle. I would say there was wiggle room. Yeah, um, I saw it more as backpedaling, actually. But I, but I didn't see any of that with Sirianni. I mean, Sirianni, his first response was, yeah, he's the guy. And then somebody asked him again, and, it was, and I sort of gave him a couple of outs. Well, if this, if, no, he's, he's the guy. Uh, and what I think that Nick was saying is, I think he was saying two things. This, this is my interpretation of it. I think he was saying two things. I think he was saying, one, yes. I, I believe in Jalen Hurts. I really like working with this guy. Uh, I think he made terrific progress last year. I have every reason to think that he's going to continue to improve. That's one thing that he said. But the other thing that was part of it, that at least I took away from it, was he was is expressing not just confidence in Jalen Hurts, but he was expressing confidence in his coaching staff and himself mm-hmm. in, their, in their ability to take this guy and develop him. You know, because he kept talking about what he liked about Hurts and what he had seen in Hurts and the improvement that he had made, all of which was true. But, but, then, but then he kept saying, you know, and we're going to continue to work with him, and I'm going to continue to work with him, and, he's, you know, we, and we have great people here that are, going to, that are going to help him. So I think, I don't think that took anything away from his belief in Hurts. I think it's genuine, and I think it's real. But more than that, I thought, you know, he's making a pretty strong statement about what he thinks of himself and his coaching staff and your ability to develop that player, who, let's face it, on any team, quarterback is the key guy. Yeah. And if, he's, if he fails, the team fails. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he believes in Hurts, but I thought that he came out and made a pretty strong statement about what he thinks about himself and his own coaching staff. Yeah, I do too. And he talked about there's four traits he looks at in a quarterback, accuracy, decision-making, ability to escape pressure, and arm strength. Um, I think of those four right now, Hurts is where he needs to be on ability to escape. I think he definitely can improve on decision-making. And I think if he improves on decision-making, then that will help him on the other two. Um the Russell Wilson talk has kind of died down. 
I know Washington made a big offer, which apparently was rejected. They didn't want to deal with the commies. Right. I don't think Deshaun Watson is going anywhere soon. I mean, you got 22 civil suits open against him. How in the world can you trade for that guy? So yeah, we're coming s- up on a critical date, though. We're coming up on a critical date, which is uh, by April 1st, criminal charges. If they're going to be filed, they have to be filed. So we're going to know pretty soon if this is actually going to become a criminal case, which may have a lot of bearing on you know where this goes. If this becomes a criminal case, then I think it becomes... You know, then you're, you know, then now you're talking about something that's really different. And I just read this week that there is a date that that has, they have to be filed. If if they're going to be filed, they have to be filed pretty soon. Okay. Well, here's what I would say. If there's a criminal case, he's obviously impossible to move. Even if there's not a criminal case and he has not settled 22 civil cases against him, of which I've read a lot of the testimony. Well, I would, he he ain't coming here. Jeffrey Lurie's Jeff. I I have I cannot see Jeffrey Lurie trading for that. I just don't see it. Maybe somebody will, but I don't see it happening here. Yeah, well, the team it's it's, it's interesting that uh, you know one of the teams that's really hot on the trail of quarterbacks is Washington. Yep. You know, and Jeff, I can't. Would, would that be a fit? I mean, could you imagine with everything that's happened down in Washington and all yeah. the stuff that's being said about about the about everything from the, the owner, owner the owner on down? Yeah, sure. That they're that they're going to say, hey. Yeah, sure. Come on. We'll bring yeah. you to Sean Watson. Videos in here. of the cheerleaders changing. Yeah. yeah are, well, you, sure. are you kidding? This is yeah. a if anything, this is a fit. So I mean, I, I I think he is I think he is absolutely in limbo. But in a few weeks this it may we may finally gain a little clarity on where this is really. We will headed. see. All right. So on a scale I, I want to do this and let's grab a couple calls here. On a scale of one to hundred, with one hundred being metaphysical certitude Ray Dinger. What are the chances that Jalen Hurts opens up the season in September as the Eagles' starting quarterback? You go first. Um, I'm writing mine down so that uh, people know I didn't copy. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Oh, this is almost like the folded piece of paper. It this, is. This is the first folded piece of paper of the 2022 season. Indeed, it is. Um, 85. Oh, you're a little higher than mine. Mine was a lusty 72. Okay. So there you go. All right. Nice. Um. We got a lot more coming up, but I want to get some calls in here. 215-592-9494. Lou in Mount Laurel. My old hey. pal. What's going on, Lou? Good morning. I worship I continue to worship at the altar of Glenn Mack. Now, how are you, gentlemen? I appreciate that, my young man. Um want to actually want to do a uh, a quick question about you or tell us your story. I gotta mm-hmm. tell you, that's probably my favorite segment of any radio show of all time. Well done with that. Thank I you. Asked, it, it was asked, you know it was it was kind of born out of necessity when Sports so shut pandemic, down, and then Ray awesome. and I decided we enjoyed doing it. We thought our listeners liked it, and, so we we just keep it up. And Glenn, before I before I um I get to my citrus boy, can I make two names to throw out there for you to interview? Sure, as, as wish list ones. I don't absolutely uh, the t- the timing's probably poor on this one right now, but I'm sure you've heard it. Ilya Brzezgalov. Yes, and, and I have I've, I've made minimal inquiries to figure out where he is to do him because it would be it would be a blast. He's still in Haddonfield, probably collecting his checks every week from the Flyers. So I think there's, he's the Bobby Bonilla of the NHL. Yeah, um, and the other name from the world of professional wrestling, you want to? I'm telling you, Glenn, you won't regret interviewing is Paul Heyman. Ray, his name is Paul Heyman. I don't. Ray, hold on, name. I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to Ray on that one. Don't know who he is. Oh, he's, he was big with ECW, and he's a manager, but he's always a mouthpiece for guys, Glenn. Yeah. I'm telling you, uh, you will not uh, be disappointed. Lou, let's put it this way. Brzezgalov's <laughs> a fine idea. <laughs> oh, what else you got? 
Uh, the Sixers, do you think you have a different outcome if you sit hard on Friday against, a, for lack of better terms, a weaker team and have them start last night against a stronger opponent? Do you think the reaction's a little different? Well, I think they didn't want to rest them at home. Gotcha. I, I think, and, and Ray, you and I have talked about these scheduled nights off or load management or whatever you call them. I think part of the gig is you don't want to the, the gotcha. Sixers' home fans are so excited to see him. I think it would have been unfair to 20,000 people. Gotcha. That's a good, that's a good I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. Okay. It, wouldn't, it would not surprise me if that was baked into the whole decision, that they looked, that they looked at the two back-to-back games and said, look, we're not going to play James 38 minutes and back-to-back nights, so we're going to give him one of those off. We've got to have him play at home. The fans will be so mad at us. So let's just, no, give, think, let's just give him the night off in, in Miami. To me, it makes and sense. I think you make, you make a good point, too, is that um, – you know, during the playoffs, you're not going to have back-to-backs. I mean, we usually two, sometimes one, sometimes two with the NBA. So I think I think that was a great point, Ready me too. All right. Anything else? No, no. Um, Glenn, I've heard you say it. If I could sneak in some talk, I think I think the team's called the Flyers. I think they're called. Yeah, they used to play here. Glenn, I yeah. couldn't agree with you more. I heard you a couple weeks say it, where they basically put all their eggs in the basket, and their only ident- identifiable uh, person is their mascot. I'm telling you. He is the downfall of this organization. Well, he's uh, – and Lou, always a pleasure. Stay in touch. He's representative of it. Actually, Ray, next segment I want to do a thing. Yesterday you and I talked about the face of the franchise of the four teams. Mm -hmm. I think we agreed that it is gritty with the Flyers, unfortunately. Yeah, it is. Um, But one of them that you surprised me with was the Eagles. And in the next segment I want to play, play something that I think really buttresses your case. But first, let's get Jim in Broomwell. You're on with Ray and Glenn. Hi, Jim. Hi, guys. Uh, my number is 60. I don't personally. I I love Jalen as a person, but I don't think he will make progress in those three other areas. I just don't. I don't think he has it. And I maybe, but I guess I would ask you. Um, and I'm not even going to disagree with you on that. I, I'd say wait and see. But who thus, if who's your 40 percent to be the other quarterback? Well, <clears throat> there's people out there, and we know who they are. I don't know if Jeffrey's going to allow Howie to pull the trigger on those, or any of those. But there is that possibility. I mean, Howie's you're talking. Capable. You're talking Wilson. <clears throat> you're talking uh, 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 Jackson. Who else are you talking? He's probably talking Watson. I mean, Watson, not Jackson. Watson. Who else are you talking? Uh, the gentleman from Green Bay. What's he doing? Uh, He's not going anywhere. Nah. You sure? No, he's just – Ray, we said it yesterday. He's just an, an attention whore. Yeah, that's it. He's not going anywhere. I mean, okay. the, 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 the general manager and the coach were both asked about it at, at the Combine, and they, they both said, no, it's not happening. And I don't, I don't think it's happening for him. No, I really don't. I, he's going to stay in Green Bay. A lot of it has to do with Devontae Adams. You know, if Devo- listen, if Devontae Adams, if they, don't, if they don't franchise Devontae Adams and he goes on the market and he gets signed, which he would in five minutes um, – if he leaves, yeah, at that point, Aaron Rodgers may say, you know what, I really am out of here. But short of that, no, I don't think – I think he's going to finish his career in Green Bay. Okay. And I wouldn't be surprised if they went in all in for Wilson and, and actually get him. But the reason I call uh, – two things. <laughs> two reasons I call. One, the Flyers are owned by a corporation. Corporations are woke. The Flyers are the first woke National Hockey League team, and that's all you I, need to know. I don't even know what that means. I have no idea how that relates to how they're playing. Well, it, yeah, okay. Well, it has to do. No, with, you have to explain. I, like, what? How? How does that reflect itself on the ice? They're, they're, they seem weak. 
They seem weak and what does and that have to do with gather shut? What does that have to do with anything that you said? Well, woke and weak to me are very similar. That's fine, but you're still not you're not saying anything. You're just throwing out words. You're not defining how that how that uh, shows itself. Yeah, you're suggesting it's about a philosophy, and I I, you know, I think it's more simple. They stink. I think I think it's I think it's a sim- It's not about woke. It's not about weak. It's they stink. Okay. First of all, how are they woke? And second of all, how is what are the ramifications no, 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 no. of that? I agree with you. I agree with you. I was just I guess I was just using the wrong words. They stink. Okay. Yeah. Well, that we agree on. But I, I the way I interpret woke, which is an overused word, and I certainly don't want to travel down a political path with it. But when I think of the flyers, I think of many things. Politics ain't among them. So there you go. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of agree. However, however, before we go to the break, we do have to give them their due. They won oh, no, yesterday. We don't. They won yesterday. Oh, okay, great. That's so. That's a four wins since Christmas. Yeah, and you know, I I saw it coming because because the coach had had chewed them out. You know, the, the coach sold them out after the game on Thursday. You know, he said they have, they, they they don't compete. They crumble. I mean, the coach sold them out at his press conference, and then apparently he just apparently he just reamed them out furiously the next day. At, at, at the practice facility. I guess one of the players might have said something about, why did you say what you said last night? And I guess he went off on them and just, and just tore them and, and tore them a new one at Friday's practice. So I, I had a feeling, look, you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a long-term fix, but I had a feeling that cause Chicago's not that good. That's what I was going to say. They beat a bad team. Yeah, I, Chicago, I mean, you had the perfect opponent coming in here. Chicago's not that good. Uh, but I had a feeling that at least for one day, he probably, he probably lit a little fire under no, this team, okay. and, it, and, it got, and it got and it got him a four three win over Chicago. Yeah, and the guy give him no credit for that. But there you go. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. We've got some people on hold uh, that we are looking forward to talking to you. And Ray, when I come back, face of the franchise, a tribute to one of our absolute favorite athletes of the last well more than a decade. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack now. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. He's Ray Dinger. I'm Glenn Mack. Now, Saturday, uh, Sunday morning, excuse me, 94 WIP. Ray, we, yesterday you and I were just kind of shooting a breeze. 
And um, I think it's during our rip of the flyers, uh, late in the 10 o'clock hour, because we agreed that one of the problems with the flyers is uh, not that they are woke, whatever, however that manifests itself, but that the face of the franchise is not the star player, is not the coach or the general manager, or as it once was the owner, the face of the franchise is the stupid mascot. Right. And this is a problem. And so then we kind of went through the other teams, and it was it was we generally agreed face of the Sixers is the face of the Sixers is Joel Embiid, right? Which is terrific, right? Great player, joyful, fun, everything about it. Mm -hmm. The face of the Phillies is Bryce Harper, reigning right. MVP. Yep, reigning MVP. And then the one for the Eagles, we kind of disagreed, and it was a little bit tougher. I think I said the face of the Eagles is now Nick Sirianni, which may be not be right. It's When we were walking out of the studio, I was talking to the Go Birds radio guys, and they said the face of the Eagles is Howie Roseman, to which I thought, like, oh, that's, uh, not, that's no. not what you want. No. <laughs> and you said the face of the Eagles is? It's Jason Kelsey. Well, I love that. Yeah. Uh, he's certainly the most popular player. I mean, to me, it's not even, to, to me, it's not even debatable. I mean, I'm surprised that that's not as almost as automatic as Bryce Harper. Uh, I think because he's a center, right? Yeah, but I mean, he's, he doesn't get the ball 25 times a game. He very well may be your best player, and he's without he's without question your most popular player. Well, I'm going to help make your case. Going to back it up a little bit. First of all, as we know, Jason Kelsey is not had any definitive announcement on what his future will be. It's for him to decide if he wants to play another year. I read between the tea leaves and what he says that he'll probably decide to play another season. Um, and Nick Sirianni was asked about it at the Combine. And he said, we've been in communication, we're hopeful. And, and I love this. He sent him a keg of beer. Mm -hmm. uh, Kelsey lives actually out here in Havertown and I, the place he sent him the beer from which is Lower Marion Beverage Company on Greenfield Avenue in Ardmore is where I buy uh, beer it's a great store, Jim Martin runs the place and does a great job and and, and uh, the coach threw him a little endorsement there, thank you for helping us out with that, said Sirianni <laughs> but, you know, it's good, good business mm -hmm. nice guy, nice, he's a veteran runs, the, runs that beer store um, but um, Sirianni also did an interview, you know, I read pro football focus, but they had somebody out there and they did a pretty good podcast. I will give them credit. This was a very interesting podcast that they did with Sirianni and they talked about a lot of things, including the beer that went to his house. Um, and then Sirianni kind of talked about Kelsey's standing within the franchise and what he means. So let's, let's just about a minute 10. Let's play this thing. This is going to sound weird, but I'll compare him to Philip Rivers. All right. Because the they're just so smart football player. When I when I left Philip Rivers, I'm like, all right, I'm never gonna coach a guy that smart again. <laughs> He's in his year 17. He knows what blitz they brought. Hey, Philip, do you want to look at the picture on the sideline after us? No, they brought this blitz. Uh, they played this coverage behind it, um, and he ran the wrong route. And the guy in the first row had relish on his side. He saw everything. Everything it was unbelievable. And I'm like, I'll never see that again. And it's the same kind of type of thing. Like I leave uh, Kansas City, and I, we had Jamal Charles as our running back, and we were the number one rush team in the NFL my last year there. And I'm like, I'm never going to have, never going to have another back right. like that. And then uh, Jonathan Taylor last year, right? <laughs> yep. And so like, and that's what I thought. And then I got, I get to Philadelphia, mm -hmm. and Jason Kelsey is the same, uh, just the same thinking power as Philip Rivers. Like it was incredible, and he's doing that at the center position with his hand in the ground, <laughs> like. 
unbelievable and what he means to this football team um his toughness it's not just that he sees everything he's tough he's physical he plays through it plays through it all he's he's highly talented um great leader um i think i was pretty unique of the head coaches last year first year head coaches no no disrespect to any of their players or anything like that a lot, a lot of good leaders a lot of good players but in my mind i stepped into a great a great situation because we had a strong offense and defensive line, which is pretty rare. Usually when there's a turnover, it's because O-line, D-line. So a credit to Howie and his staff. And then I had an unbelievable alpha dog leader um, to lead the way in Jason Kelsey. Ray, what do you think? Really good. It's a really good um, – I, I, I don't know about the comparison to Phillip Rivers, but I kind of I know, know what he was saying. Smart. Sees Smart. everything. And exactly, he what he does is he sees everything that's happening on the field, and I do think that is true of Philip Rivers. Uh, you don't often think about that uh, at the center position, but seeing what's happening in front of him before the ball is snapped is absolutely critical at that position. You can't be a you can't have a dumb center, a dumb a dumb center. You know, a blockhead center will def- will defeat your entire offensive line because there's so much stuff that he has to do before he ever snaps the ball that's absolutely critical. And I'm just amazed when I watch Kelsey play and then when I go back and I look at the tape about how right he is when you see him make an adjustment, when you see him do a tap or a nudge to the guy on either side of him, where he points, he sees exactly what's coming. Um, And it's because he's really smart. And it's also because he studies tremendously. I mean, teams in in the front seven will try and do a lot of different stuff. And there's almost nothing that they do that fools him. And you can and I think the measure of it is really how rare it is to see a complete breakdown of blocking in front of the quarterback, to see like a free runner come through, like a guy who's unblocked who just has a free run at the quarterback. just yeah. doesn't happen because Kelsey will see it before it ever happens, and he'll send the word down the line, hey, they're coming from over there. Pick them up. Make sure you pick them up. Uh, and I remember at one of Nick Foles' press conferences, um, either after the championship game in Minnesota or in the lead-up to the, the, uh, the Super Bowl, um, somebody asked Foles about his success and how, and he went off on the offensive line saying how great the offensive line had played, and they did. They played really good that year. Uh, and I remember his description of Jason Kelsey. He said he's the smartest football player I've ever been around. And I, I think that's really true, and I think that's kind of the point that Nick was making. And it's, I mean, he's a really good center. He's, he's incredibly athletic, and his ability to make blocks on the outside and at the second level are second to none, which is amazing for a guy at his age. But I think the thing that really, to me, sets him apart is, number, number one, his toughness. He never misses a game. And the other part is just how incredibly smart he is. That's one of the reasons why, over in the last couple of years, when they have had guys on the offensive line go down and have had to bring other guys in to play here and there, people always marvel, but, boy, the offensive line really played well. I mean, you've got these, all these new guys in there, and they're really, they're really playing good together. Um, it's a credit to Jeff Stoutland, for sure. But a but tremendous amount of credit to Kelsey because he's the one that gets them all on the same page before he ever snaps the ball. Yeah. Boy, I hope he plays another year. You know, they have, we think, the heir apparent in Landon Dickerson, and he could turn out to be a really good pro. Liked him as a rookie. Mm-hmm. But Jason Kelsey's an all-timer. I mean, he's a certainly a franchise Hall of Famer, and you've said he could be an NFL, a pro football Hall of Famer. I think he will be. And I'm, I'm, on, on Dickerson, I think, he's, I think he's found his home. I think he's. I think, think he's. he's I, think, I think he's your left guard. Okay. I, lo- I love the way he grew there. I love the way he played there, and I think he and Mylotta, side by side, will give you a really good left side of your line for a lot of years. Okay, I could live with that. Jimmy in Jersey wants to talk a little baseball lockout. What's on your mind, Jim? Well, good day to you, folks. 
Hi. Uh, just a quick thank you. Uh, without trying to sound like a sycophant, I, I, I want to thank you for uh, consistently setting the bar high in sports talk radio. And I insist that the uh, Tulsa Story segment is the most potent hour in uh, sports entertainment anywhere. Oh, thank you. Thanks a lot, Jim. I appreciate that. By the way, you sound like you're talking to us from the cockpit of a 747. <laughs> let, let me... I'm going to take it off the speaker. How okay, that would be good, yeah. Okay. Right, I feel yeah, like he's like, we're flying over Vietnam. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry for that. Uh, That's all right. I'm in the car in the rain. Yeah, okay. um, yeah I just wanted to do uh, a couple comments about the baseball lockout. Uh, I can't, I'm dis- while I'm disappointed, I can't say I'm surprised at all. I knew when the owners uh, put it in the lockout, uh, things were going to go ugly very quickly. And uh, what I envision coming up uh, will probably be something akin to the 2020 season where we'll probably have some kind of an enforced, uh, you know, 60-game season or so sometime uh, before the end of the year if they play at all. You know what? Uh, Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over that, but I want to see where Ray stands. Ray, I'm going to say that this year's baseball season is going to be 130. 35 games, 132 games. That's my over-under, right? Hmm. Hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd go a little higher. You go higher. Okay, Jimmy yeah. goes lower. All right, yeah. keep going, Jim. Well, these guys get together like a pair of Siamese fighting fish, and uh, when they demonstrated in 2020 that uh, with one basic area to uh, conquer the uh, COVID situation, when they come to, couldn't come to an agreement on that, uh, I, I knew that didn't bode well for the negotiations that were going on now. And the union basically rolled over on a lot of the small stuff, and I they think did. they were holding out hope that uh, maybe they could come to some kind of consensus on the big things. And yeah. when that didn't uh, happen, uh, they refused the contract. And, and here's the thing. And, Jim, thanks for the call. And drive safe out there. That All of the stuff they are negotiating – well, I shouldn't say all, because we're going to talk about a few of the specifics later that do impact the game, one being the shift, I guess. And But most of the stuff, Ray, that they are negotiating mm-hmm. – has nothing to do with the quality of the game and fans' enjoyment. No, very little, actually. It has to do with small piddling, piddling by the greater good, money issues that aren't going to make anything better for fans in the long run. Right, right. That's all, it's all the money. It's all the arbitration. It's all, it's all of that stuff that the fans don't care about. And that's, that, to me, as a baseball fan, is what, probably the most frustrating part of the whole thing, is that while all of these discussions are going on, they're missing the bigger issue, which is fixing what's wrong with the game. I mean, that's, but I, I have a feeling, I mean, maybe I'm being foolishly optimistic by saying this, but I have, I have a feeling that you're going to see a breakthrough this week. I really do. Really? Yeah, I do. I, I, I think based they, based on anything more than uh, the, my gut. Itch, itchy palms? My or gut. What? My gut. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you know, everybody's been, you know, everybody's been, uh, been tap dancing around this and that. And, um, and I think, I think now they're looking at the calendar and saying, all right, you know, let's, now we got to really start talking. You know, now we really got to now we got to really do the things that we've been, we should have been doing for weeks, if not months. And that's actually negotiate. Um, I just reading between the lines of some of the comments I, I read and not by any of the body, not any of the guys who are actually in the room, because I think they're all meatheads. But but uh, I've seen some quotes from agents of players who have a lot to say about what's going on and certainly are very plugged in to where this is all going. And I've seen some comments from a couple of agents that have said, yeah, now we're going to get down to business. And so so that's why I think my number is probably a little higher than yours, because I really think this week you're probably going to see, not necessarily settlement, but I think you're finally going to see some serious movement. I hope you're right. 
Uh, before we go to the break, and I will uh, ask our callers, Marvin, Zach, and Mike, hang in. We'll get you guys in the next segment. I promise that. But before we go to the break, Ray, uh, big announcement yesterday. You told me, Tommy and me, the uh, Pulitzer Prize winning Tony <laughs> Award gathering play soon to uh, get an Emmy when they put it on TV, mm-hmm. is uh, going to make another local run in a new part of town. It is, and uh, we're... That promoted could, up okay. Yeah, it was, that was beautifully done, Glenn, just okay. the way I wrote it. <laughs> uh, I real, it. It's true, and we could not be more thrilled um, that we are bringing Tommy and me to the, to the beautiful and historic Bucks County Playhouse, uh, a great place right there on the Delaware River in New Hope. Uh, and we're going to bring the play there for 10 performances starting April the 7th and running through April the 17th. Uh, and we have the same cast. Uh, if you've seen the play before, you're going to see the same actors. Uh, and uh, I'm really, really excited. I mean, Bucks County Playhouse is the place where I saw my very first play when I was a teenager. Uh, and I've always thought it was a beautiful theater. And we all know the history of that, all the great performers that have performed there, from Lee J. Cobb to Grace Kelly. I mean, it's a, it's a stage with tremendous history. And just the thought of bringing my play to that, to that theater is very, very exciting. So it's going to happen. Um, April 7th, we open 10 performances through the 17th. Uh, and if you're interested, if you want to come see the play or if you want to come, if you've seen it before, but you want to see it again, uh, just contact the Bucks County Playhouse or go online to the Bucks County Playhouse and you can order your tickets right now. Beautiful, Ray. Terrific. Looking forward to it. Two and you're you going to be a part of it again. I'm. That's the rumor. Yeah. You know what? In the next couple of days, can we go over the dates and we'll figure out what works? Absolutely. All right. 215-592-9494. Coming up at 11 o'clock, we're going to talk to Zach Berman, the athletic, who was at the uh, Combine. And Ray, um, Todd Zalecki uh, broke a little news. I know baseball is out right now, but the Phillies are auditioning to replace Kevin Franson for their radio broadcast. Oh, that's right. He's moving on. Yeah. He's going to the Nats. Right. I got the four names. Oh. We'll see if you like any of them. Okay. I'll give you all I'll tell you is each of them once played for the Phillies. All right. Your call's coming up. Rain Glenn on 94 WIP. <laughs> so, Ray, um, I am opening for Joe Conklin at the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville on uh, Friday. Was it Friday, March 25th? Is that the date? Is that that Friday? Uh, and uh, you, sounds about right. Well, right, so you, you have you, your fine establishment right across the street. Yes, I'm going to invite everybody to come over to the rec room by Conchagan Brewing across the street afterward, get a beer, etc., etc. Um, but you've done it many times. I've done it. Uh, Kyle Quinn, who's producing for us today, did it recently. Apparently, slayed him. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm yeah, not surprised a, at all. Yeah. And so um, Kyle and I were just talking about it. He asked me, you know, how much material are you going to do? I said, well... Probably three jokes is what I normally do, and <laughs> I, I was starting to tell him Ray the pickle slicer joke when we came back. To ah, the okay. Show. So, so I, I'll tell. I can't really tell it on the air. It's a, it's a little it's a little blue, but um, you've heard that joke. It's a good joke. Uh, it's a, it's a tremendous joke. I never get tired of hearing it. <laughs> so, for people who come out to see Joe Conklin on April, uh, excuse me, March twenty fifth at the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville. We may give away tickets for that beforehand. But anyway, Good. You you're, bra- in- you're braver than I am. When I've when I've done it uh, for Joe and uh, and Big Daddy, um, I I do one joke, one and one joke only. Get on, get off. That's 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 my philosophy. <laughs> well, that's fine. I mean, people are there to see Joe, and always were there to see Big Daddy. But I, once I'm up there, let me put you this way: if the first joke doesn't get a laugh, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. But if the first one gets a laugh, I'll I'll stick around for two others. No, my see, I have the opposite philosophy. If my if it gets a laugh, I'm quitting while I'm oh, ahead. That, 
<laughs> well, anyway, so there you go. Uh, let's talk to Marvin in Wilmington. You're on with Ray and Glenn. Good morning, Marv. Top of the morning to you, fellas, and thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, I have been watching Philadelphia sports for a long, long time, uh, and I can't remember a trade or a signing uh, generate this much excitement and to live up to its actual hype, like the Harden deal. I mean, I, I barely watch basketball. You know, I'm not really much of a fan, but mm-hmm. I haven't missed a game since uh, since they made the trade. Yeah, it really and is fun. It, it really is. And not only that, um, they're 7-1, to one, I think, to take the uh, NBA championship. So I got 25 bucks on them. So. Ooh, look at you. <laughs> look at you. Yeah. Well, I will. Uh, the only thing I'll disagree with you, and I listen. I yeah. I love your excitement. I think Ray and I feel the same way. But I can yeah. name two trades in the last oh, uh, probably I guess now it's getting close to twenty years. That certainly to me or acquisitions that have done it. Um, I think the Terrell Owens one was to me will yeah. always be the one. And then um, uh, Roy Halladay. Well, Cliff Lee was a signing, but the Roy Halladay trade to me was generated well, this kind of excitement. Yeah, I'll go with that. I mean, I I'm just. But I, I don't listen. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying yeah. to doubt you. I, I I appreciate and agree with your excitement. Well, the other thing is that last night we wanted to watch the game. Down, I live in Delaware, and it was on uh, Fubu. I never heard of that. Uh, so we had what? to go. Yeah, it was on. They, they had it on some private cable channel that you had to. You had to. You know, all oh. that. And uh, I don't know. I just didn't do it. I was kind of disappointed in that. So. But by and large, I I think they got a shot. I'm you know I don't know as much about it as you do, but yeah, I'm I'm all in on the Sixers. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, nobody's going to challenge you here. We for share. Sure. <laughs> I mean, we share it. And uh, I think, you know, I, I, I think they're going to. They're, to me, they're going at least to the Eastern Finals. I think they're, they're I think they're going to, at least to the Eastern Finals, which is not an easy which is not an easy task because there are some really good teams in the East. But I think they at least get to the finals uh, in this conference. And if Depending on who the opponent is and the health of the team at that point, I you know I think they have a very live chance to get to the championship round. I I, I think that's entirely doable. I think it's going to be a really fun run. Yep. that's what I think. Yeah, Zach I think it's and, going. I think it's going to last for a while. Yep. Zach and Royerford is with us. Hello, Zach. Hey, man. How you guys doing? Good. Good. Um, so first and foremost, uh, I just actually I wanted to thank Ray. Um, you, I think you were in Bridgeport. Uh, might have been like a month ago, maybe a little longer. Uh, you were signing some books, and uh, I wasn't able to make it. Uh, but a, a buddy of mine was able to grab two copies, and you were able to sign one. I'm about a quarter way through it, so I just wanted to. I actually called about a week ago to thank you, um, but I know you weren't on the the segment at the time. So oh, okay, um, well, yeah, but... I was just yeah, I was just on the just just to again thank you for the book. I mean, the the, the book's really fantastic. I'm about a quarter of the way through. Um, if you guys haven't read it yet, you guys should definitely get it. So well, I appreciate I appreciate that, and I hope uh, hope you continue to enjoy it. Absolutely, man. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a little in the younger crowd, but you know we're trying <laughs> we're trying to support the book just as equally as the older guys. So you know, <laughs> well, that's great. I appreciate um, that. Uh, yeah, I just I had a comment on Jalen Hurts. Um, so my my opinion of it really fast is is, is basically this. Um, I, I believe he's very young. You know, and he is. He's 23 years old. Um, and I, I think as Philadelphia fans, especially over the the last couple years, especially I've noticed. I feel like ever since the Super Bowl, we kind of expect like instant gratification with players, um, whether it's first-year players or second-year, third-year players. Uh, you know, I just want to give the kid a little bit more time. Um, I think some of the things that he needs to fix, like mechanically, you know, the overthrows, the, the deep ball accuracy, like that kind of stuff, I really feel like those things are fixable. And, and with a work ethic, the way it's prescribed that he has, or I'm sorry, described that he has, um, you know, I just like again. I, I want to give the kid a little bit more time. I don't want to go and, and trade draft picks for a rookie that's not proven in the NFL, where we're kind of back to square one. And I really don't want to get a guy who's 
a veteran agent, you know, who's kind of just aging on the way out. I mean, maybe Aaron Rodgers, but other than that, I don't want a Russell Wilson and, uh, you know, all these guys. I want to just keep the youth and build around it. And if we're wrong, we're wrong. But at least we didn't trade up an enormous amount of assets to to kind of throw the whole, you know, season away for, for one guy when there's so Ray, many other I think this holes. kid speaks some wisdom. No, I think, Zach, I, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I mean, my, your, what the, the blueprint that you're laying out is pretty much the same one as mine. I mean, I... I saw real growth in him this year. You know, when Nick Sirianni talked about that at the Combine this week, he was he was being genuine. I mean, they, you looked and you did see improvement. Now, a ways to go. I mean, he's still got things to improve on. Uh, I agree with his breakdown that uh, the, two things, the two things that are the most important are, are the accuracy and the decision-making. Uh, but I actually thought at the end of the year when he was playing on the bad ankle uh, and he wasn't able to rely on his ability to run, to rescue plays or to extend plays. And he really, he, for the lack of a better term, he really kind of had to play quarterback. You know, I mean, he really kind of had to stay in the pocket and read the field uh, and find receivers and go through his progressions. Um, and he wasn't perfect at it, as I wouldn't expect him to be. But I definitely saw that he learned some things. You know, I, and I actually think in terms of his, his long-term growth and the things that he has to work on in terms of just the mental part of the game, um, I actually thought that that was probably a good thing for him. And so I think he has a really good foundation coming off of this year. He certainly had a lot of success. He, you know, team goes to the playoffs. Um, he, I think he's in a good place. To, yep. you know, he's got a good foundation and something to build on going into the next season. I want to give him that opportunity. I am with you. Uh, let us sneak in one more call before the break. Mike in Lower Gwynedd. Hey, Mike. Hey, how you, hey, how you doing, Glenn and Ray? All right. Hi, Mike. Hey, I got to say, I was driving my five- and seven-year-old through the Kansan I'm sorry, the Trenton Museum yesterday, and Glenn, you went on your Flyers rant, and you fired me up. <laughs> I couldn't oh, call because I was in the car. Yep. Um, here's where I'm at. We, uh, I'm hoping, you, you know, we're, we're, we've already gone through it. She gets traded. I still, I follow Twitter like you do, so I see a lot of the, what I don't know if they're beat writers or they work for websites, doing all kind of the background information. If the Flyers do not trade, Rasa Tillen, and I'm sorry if I said his name wrong, he is an unrestricted free agent. They, they made a bad mistake with him. I, I see where they were, what they were thinking. If Ellis would have worked out, he would have been that second line. He would have been that tough guy. But if they don't trade him for something, that was a complete waste of a trade. And I really just want to hear both your thoughts on that. Because if we go into next year and he doesn't resign with us, we traded away like a lot yeah. for what we really didn't need. And I want to ask you one more question. All right. And um, I want you, you know what? Ask the second question, and then we'll, we'll try to address the first. Okay. What's the second question? I just want you to rethink your thing from yesterday. I want you to take Brady out of it, take Giroux out of it, because Giroux's not going to be here next year. Who am I buying? My, my son loves the Flyers, loves yeah. that they won yesterday. Who am I, whose jersey am I buying next year? Is it Coots? Well, Carter Hart, right? I agree. I agree with that. I don't know yeah, if I mean, that, agree that's with that. it. I can't I say Couturier at this point. Do. No, thank you. We got to run. I can't say Couturier at this point, Ray. Right? So you got to go with Carter Hart. Probably. Um, if you've re- can't I, trade him for God's sake. No, I, I. The other one is Farabee. I think Farabee's a pretty good player, and I think he's. I think he's one guy that you've got a chance of that he's. He's a guy that if you're going to if you're going to clean house, and God knows you certainly should clean house. There are a couple guys you're going to have to hang on to, and and to me, he's one that shows some promise. Uh, okay. I don't disagree. 215-592-9494. Coming up, we're going to talk to Zach Berman of The Athletic, who was at the Combine. And uh, 
posted some uh, very interesting stories, including, Ray, the possibility that the Eagles might draft a wide receiver in the first round for the third year in a row. Okay. We'll talk about that coming up. Ray and Glenn on 94 WIP. Uh, it was a thing of beauty, and of course, last year, second year in a row, Eagles take a wide receiver in the first round. It's Devontae Smith. He has a good rookie year, not a spectacular one, but I'm uh, earlier this week at my computer reading The Athletic, as I do every day, Zach Berman, and I see the question posed, will the Eagles draft a first-round wide receiver for the first year in a row? And Zach Berman, who joins us now from The Athletic, you, you, you did not rule that out. No, I, I, I would not rule that out. In a typical year, I would probably rule it out, given that it's, it's poor resource allocation to spend three consecutive years of first-round picks on a wide receiver. But I'd say given the context, the fact that they have three first-rounders this year, and the fact that where they're drafting, the, the strength is going to be wide receivers and edge rushers, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll have a hard time passing on some of these these wideouts unless they completely move out of the spot. You guys wrote that um, the value of wide receivers suggests that none of them are top 10, but a lot of them will be going. The Eagles have, what is it, 15, 16, 15, 16, 19. 15, 16, 19. 19. But that a lot of them are kind of slotted to go right in that area. Toss a name or two at us that you could see ending up with the Eagles. Sure. I would say Traylon Burks from Arkansas. He did not run especially fast. Uh, and, and, and when you see what all the receivers and, and, all, and all the players are running this week, that stands out. But, but if, in watching Burks at Arkansas, I mean, he's 6'3", 225. He's been compared to Debo Samuel in terms of the way he was used. He would give the Eagles a different type of receiver. I would definitely I'd pay attention to him. Drake London from USC, there's probably some concern given that J.J. Ortega-Whiteside hasn't worked out, and he's that jump ball type receiver. But he's a different player than J.J., and uh, he's, he's a, a little bigger. I, I think he was a more productive college player. Uh, and, and then if they're looking for speedier guys, uh, the two Ohio State receivers, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and then if they're willing to be patient, Jamison Williams from Alabama tore his ACL in the national championship game, but similar to Landon Dickerson last year, if you just wait on him, he has world-class speed. So those are five guys to watch. Ray, he had me at Debo Samuel, by the way. Yeah, well, uh, that's actually a good comparison. Uh, some, uh, I, I thought the same thing, and I read, read a few comments this week of people kind of saying the same thing, because he did play that kind of role at Arkansas. He did play as a running he played as a running back, he played as a wide receiver. They moved him all over the place. It was it was very very much like Debo Samuel. Uh and so if you have that kind of flexibility in your offense, he would be a fit. Um I you know Zach, I think I think you're right. I think that when you're talking about how this first round of the draft figures to shake out in that area between 15 and 20, uh, probably the strength of it is is going to be wide receiver is going to be right there. Uh there are there are some good guys there. I just look at where the Eagles are right now, and I'll tell you, if I, if I held on to all three picks, and I kind of still think that's a stretch. I still think Howie's mm-hmm. not going to be able to resist the urge to wheel and deal with those three picks. But let's say they held on to 15, 16, 19. Um, I would still, man, I would still go one, two, three defense. I, I really would. I, I mean, this defense, it needs to get young. It needs to get fast. It needs to get physical. And those kind of players are there. I mean, if this draft, if this, if this combine proved nothing else, 
I mean, it proved that. Uh, I mean, a lot of the guys that were really good defensive prospects came to Indianapolis and not only didn't disappoint, actually exceeded expectations. I mean, Traylon Walker, the kid at Georgia, who I, who I loved at Georgia, you know, I, I thought that he might be there for the Eagles, 15, 16, 19. After the way he performed at Indy, I'm not so sure he is, but I guess my, my, my point is those defensive players are there in abundance. And if you're, if you're really thinking about trying to rebuild this defense and get younger and faster and tougher, man, it'd be hard for me to not, not use those three picks to get defensive players because the picking's going to be really good. Sure, and I, I agree with you, especially with edge rusher. Uh, there, is, there is no stronger bet for the Eagles this offseason than drafting an edge rusher in the first round as long as they have those picks, if they, if they don't give them all away. Um, that's, that's the most likely outcome. This is an edge rusher draft. Uh, you saw the times yesterday, but even before yesterday, just the, 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 the strength of this class, there are five, six, seven edge rushers who, who will be first-round picks. So, uh, and I can also tell you from talking to people with the Eagles, that's their priority this offseason, fixing, fixing the pass rush, improving the pass rush. And I, I know there's a lot of attention about linebacker. I know there's a lot of attention about uh, safety, which I think they address in free agency. But I, I do think that the Eagles believe if they can improve the pass rush, it will change everything with the defense. So it's difficult to predict what the Eagles will do, what Howie Roseman will do with those three uh, mid-first-round picks. But let's say he decides that there is one guy. I mean, not that you're not going to get the number one guy, right? But there's a guy somewhere, eh, maybe you know, between pick five and ten, that he could move two of his picks and move up for. Is there a name, a pass rusher, an edge guy that you see going early that they may make a move to grab? Sure. Well, the 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 top two guys you'd say are Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau, and right. I'm not sure they can move up. Right. I'm assuming one that's of them. right. That that's outside yeah. the realm of possibility. Uh, Trayvon Walker, kind of who next, Ray right. just mentioned, athletically uh, is off the charts when you see the way he tested. Really a versatile lineman. You know, the 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 way he was used at Georgia would be different than the way he's used with the Eagles. But when you watch Jonathan Gannon's defense. I think they like that. They like having an edge guy who can bounce inside to the five eye at times. He can do that. Uh, so I would say Walker after the after the performance yesterday, I'd be surprised if he falls down to fifteen. The yeah, other thing, I too, would, I would too, I would too. I'm, sadly, yeah. I hate to say it because I really thought that he would be there in the teens that the that the Eagles could get him. But after yesterday, no way. He's definitely a top ten player now. But if if you're looking for a creative trade-up scenario and, and you believe that there are enough edge rushers in the team, if you can package two of those first to move up and get a safety like Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame or a corner like uh, like Sauce Gardner uh, from Cincinnati or, uh, or Derek Stingley from LSU and you still have a first-rounder to pick up an edge rusher, that would significantly improve the defense. What did you think um... – yeah, I, I was I was just blown away by Walker. I mean, you know, Zach. One of the things about the the combine, I mean, I think there's good aspects to it, and there's not so good aspects to it, depending on how you approach it. Um, there's always a danger, and teams do this all the time at the combine. That a guy will go there that had a mediocre college career, has mediocre tape, but goes there and works out like a like a madman for three days, and all of a sudden he becomes like a first round draft pick. Uh, and then there are the guys to me like Walker who have really solid tape and at, at a good college program, and then they go there and 
and heighten their stock by performing great on top of it. Yeah, I mean, those guys are great. I mean, that's why that's why I'm you know I saw what Walker did, and I you know and I feel more certain than ever now that I think he's going to be a real player. But I, I just don't I just don't see him getting out of the top ten now. But I think that the danger of the combine is you get guys who didn't who kind of underachieved in college, but have three days of great workouts, and now all of a sudden you believe that they're going to be the answer. Whereas if you have a guy who had a really good college career and then he goes and works out the way Walker did, now I think you can put the stamp on him and say, yeah, here's a guy that's worth trading up for. I, I agree that's a good way to look at it. It's, it's, an, it's, it's an additional data point, right? So you're, you're not overweighing it. If you, if you look at the on-field testing, you look at the medical, you look at the interview, you add that to what you saw on Saturdays throughout the fall, you add that to what you hear from the coaches, um, from from people inside the program, because of of what you're saying, you're seeing more coaches now, head coaches in the NFL, not even going to the combine because they they don't want to put too much weight on these factors that 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 have have less to do with actually playing the game. Because what they're doing now for the combine, the prospects are spending these these weeks leading up to it, preparing for the forty, preparing for the three cone drill, preparing for the bench not necessarily preparing for the critical factors that it takes to play the position. Uh, so I, I, I agree you don't want to overweigh it, but if you look at it as an additional data point, I think it's valuable. All right, we have gone nine minutes into this conversation, Zach Berman, and have not mentioned the quarterback. Uh, the Eagles remain publicly committed to Jalen Hurts as their quarterback in 2022. Ray and I both put a number between 1 and 100 and we see is the likelihood of him opening the season as a starting quarterback. What would you say? I would say sixty-five to seventy. Ooh, it's the most likely outcome. Us, Ray. Little lower. It, it, it's the most likely outcome because I'm not sure that Russell Wilson's going to move. Is going to be moved this off season. Uh, if Wilson is moved, I believe the Eagles would be players there. And then the variable that I I simply can't account for right now is Deshaun Watson. If, if, if he's playing football this year, if, if things are cleared there, um, and the Eagles are, are, are satisfied enough with the information they get off the field, I do believe the Eagles will make a run there. He's, he's one of the best quarterbacks alive right now, um, purely from a football perspective. But because those variables are hard to account for, I think the most likely outcome is Hurts as the quarterback, and I, I don't believe the Eagles are going to be major players for these first-round quarterbacks in the draft. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Willis, uh, that, that Howie Roseman was, um, was impressed with Willis when he saw him in Mobile, uh, and apparently had a, he, had a, he had a good week of practice. You were down there. You saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, and yep. there was some report that, that, that Howie was intrigued and uh, that, that, he might, uh, that he might see him as draftable. Um, to, me, to me, Zach, I don't know. I mean, I, I just saw him... I just saw a couple games, and one of them was the Ole Miss game where he was terrible. So I, I guess I guess I'm just a little bit biased here. I think he is. I think he's really a raw prospect. I, I, you know, the physical talent, yeah, it's, it's undeniable. It's there, but man, I think he's a long, long way away from being ready to play in the NFL. Yeah, the 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 reason to take Willis would be if the tools hit, um, they can hit big. Uh, but the the the, the, the takeaway I, I had from talking to different people in Indianapolis about the Eagles is they, they really love Jalen Hurts as, like, as, as, as what you look for in, in that position off the field. And, and they believe that whatever, what, whatever ceiling he has, he's going to hit it 
based on the way it, based on the makeup. Now the question is, what is his ceiling? And and, and you could say Willis's ceiling is higher than Hurts' ceiling, and, and 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 you can go on down the list at looking at different quarterbacks. But but the Eagles aren't committed to Hurts out of convenience. They're committed to Hurts because they believe in the person. Uh, so I I think they only will seek an upgrade on Hurts if they're convinced the player is a material upgrade. And I'm not sure you can say that about Willis right now. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, last one from me, uh, Zach, and you can follow, by the way, Zach Berman at Z-B-E-R-M on Twitter. Uh, you had a chance at the Combine to check in with our old pal Doug Peterson. <laughs> yep. Yeah, give us give us a report. I think Doug's happy right now. <laughs> I mean, Doug is uh, – it's, it's a lot um, – it's a lot less stressful, I'd say, than being the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, he, he he really likes Trevor Lawrence. That would be obvious. I, I think I think most coaches would. They 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 have a, a really good cap situation. They they have I think twelve picks, the number one overall pick. He knows he has work to do, and and there are also things inside that building that 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 need to be rectified. But he he has full commitment from ownership, and and as an example of that, they were going to hire. Uh, chief exec, you know, an executive VP of football operations. They paused that search because of how impressed the owner Shad Khan has been with Doug Peterson. So I actually think Doug is going to be more involved in building the roster and in some of those decisions than he was with the Eagles. Yeah, one of the things that I, you know, I think Doug's a good coach, and I think in the right situation, I think he can uh, he can win, and he's he certainly demonstrated that in Philadelphia. I got to tell you, I. And I know he was probably asked about this, and there was nothing he could say in response. There'd be no good answer to this. But Trent Balky as the GM, to me, is a problem. Mm-hmm. It really is. I, I think that yep. you know, I think Doug can succeed down there if he has a good working relationship with the front office and he's working with guys who know what they're doing. I'm not sure Trent Balky fits either of those descriptions. That's that's really the the big question that you hear from people around the league is is the front office dynamics. And and to Doug's credit. The thing about him that, that's always been the case is people like being with him, people like working with him, um, and I, I think that personality will be beneficial. Now, there's always a honeymoon period, and, and we'll see how long it lasts. But right now, I, I, I'd say uh, it's going well for Doug. Well, we wish him well. I do. I, I think everybody in this town uh, will always have a place for Doug Peterson. Zach Berman, terrific job. Always look forward to reading your reporting in The Athletic. Uh, and follow him at Z-B-E-R-M on Twitter. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Great. Thank you. you Thank too. you, Zach. All right, there you go. I like I like Zach. Zach does a really good job. Yeah, sharp guy. Good he's, reporter. He's, he's he and Bo Wolf do a very good – they do a, like a back-and-forth column. Right. All the time, you know, like a rambling conversation. So yeah. It's good. They're both smart, and they both – actually, they both write with a sense of humor, which never hurts you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I told you my feeling about the wide receiver thing is I would, I would, go, I would rather go for a – a free agent. I'd rather go for a veteran to be that other guy. Um, okay, you've, you've well, got listen. young receivers. You've got yeah. young receivers. I mean, I, the other guy that you need to, the, the, and they definitely need one. I agree with that. I would rather him be a veteran. Okay, I had scheduled that conversation for later. Oh, okay. No, that's okay. You brought we, it up. We so. can go. We. I mean, we can go into it later in a little more depth. Okay. Okay. I at, at uh, I think at noon is going to be the Ray Dinger draft report, and I figured coming out of that we would do it. Okay. Cool. Ray, this thing is micro-scheduled, as you know. I, I do know that. I do and I'm know doing that. it on like four hours of sleep. I never sleep anymore. Uh, I've told you, I, I hate my bed. Yeah, well, you're getting a new bed. Oh, man. May I? Would you indulge me for 30 seconds here, Ray? Please do. 
So we bought this bed that we've been sleeping on like 15 years ago, and I've hated it for the last 10 years. It's just like it's hard where it should be soft. It's tough where it should be hard. It's, uh, I hate it. And so we finally decided like, you know what? If you're going to splurge on anything, you got to splurge on a bed because theoretically you're spending right close to a third of your life there. Mm-hmm. I, we bought this bed, Ray. It gets delivered on March 14th. I'm counting the days. We bought this bed. It it can like the top of it can go up. It's a, what's it called? Sleep? I forget what it's called. <laughs> sleep magic? Sleep wonder? Sleep mm-hmm. something? You it's can a, make it's, the, a, it's adjustable, right? It's adjustable. You can make the top go up. You can make the bottom go up. You can make the firmness. Like my wife likes a softer mattress than I do, so she can dial it down to 30. I can dial it up to 60. It's I, I first of all I spent more on this bed than I have spent and this is not a lie, on buying automobiles in my life. I didn't know you could spend this much on a bed. Mm -hmm. But I decided, like, if I'm ever going to spend money on anything, that's what i got to spend money on because I never sleep. And this is the promise of dear, dear, valuable sleep, Ray. Mm -hmm. Sleep number bed. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm more excited. But here, this is the other thing I would say about this. I don't know the last – when's the last time you went out and bought a bed? (laughs) I've never done it. No, in your life. No, no. My, my um, we're your still, wife does. We're still sli- well. We're still sleeping on the bed that she brought with her, and that's thirty-five years ago. So, get out of here. No, really. Is that really? Yeah, th- this is her match, and I don't know how long she had it before we got. I don't know how long she had it before we got married, but we've been on the same bed for married for thirty-five years. You're sleeping on a thirty-five-year-old mattress. And it could, it's probably it might be forty. I mean, I you know that's this is the wow. mattress that she had before we got married. Wow, that's amazing. So when you go to buy a bed. You obviously have to try it out, right? Yeah. And so you go to the store, and there's like a salesperson there, and they say, like, oh, lie, lie down on the bed. It's not a comfortable thing to just like lie down on a public a bed place. And, yeah. Right. Right. right? It's, it's, you're not. And so you lie down on your back for three minutes, like, oh, yeah, this feels fine. And you realize, like, this isn't how I sleep. Right. So you kind of like, I sleep on my side, so I kind of roll over and then I'm sticking my arm out. And, and it's like, it's just, it's a. You want to say like, can I sleep here overnight and then let you know? Mm-hmm. So, but you gotta, you know, you gotta kind of do the best you can. So that's it. So I bought this bed. Well, Very excited. Yeah. Um, I, I, since you sure, told me, about, I'm sure you, our audience really. Well, since you told me about, it, I've read about it. Most people, the, the, the reviews on it, people say it, it, it really does work. So, oh I, God, yeah. I think, I think, I think you've, I think you're onto something. Five stars, right? Yeah, well, I'll sleep past five thirty in the morning once in my life. <laughs> Just as long as you don't oversleep on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> ten, it'll be ten o'clock. Where the hell's Glenn? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, it's been a long time. All right. Um, shockingly, that opened up all the phone lines. So if you yeah, want to get through, I know. I just looked at the board. Oh, I, nobody on hold. Okay. I, yeah. Well, sometimes you and I just talk about our lives. And I know. Pretty much consumed. Listen, my wife went out and t- t- tested like forty of them before I got even pulled into the process. God bless her for that. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Shockingly, that did clear the lines. Uh, coming up, we will take your calls and. It is time for what we're watching, which we didn't do yesterday. Uh-huh. I started watching a show yesterday, Ray. Yeah. Ooh. All I'm going to say is... Oh, 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 oh. oh, really? Is this the one James Seltzer was... Uh, you, and, you and he were discussing? It is. Oh, I okay. listened to James Seltzer's advice. Well, he knows his help. television. He, I think he got it right on this one. Oh, good. We'll talk about that coming up. Ray and Glenn on 94 WIP.
And it is time for me to uh, speaking of, speaking of your house and your comfort. If you're feeling chilly in your house on cold days, maybe it's time you finally go Guida. The great people at Guida Door and Window will help you make your window and door replacement projects more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off. And you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. So if you buy an entry door, you get half off a storm door. If you buy a patio door, you get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, well, you can save 50% on half the project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guida is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act now. Offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. All right. As always, what we're watching is brought to you by Guida. Check them out at goguida.com or visit them at go, G-U-I-D-A.com. All right, Ray, as we were leaving the studio at 1 o'clock yesterday, you mentioned before, James Seltzer excitedly told me that I should be watching a show called Severance, a sci-fi-ish drama on Apple TV+. I had heard some buzz about it, um, and frankly, I needed a show to re review for this feature today. So I ran home, and I watched two episodes, and you know what? Ray, the buzz is worthy. James Seltzer is no fool. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a TV show worth watching if you like uh, dystopian and disturbing, which I can do. Uh, but well-conceived, very well-acted. Here's the setup. Um, these people work for a large gray corporation in the microdata refinement department, whatever that means. And as part of the job, they agree to undergo, <laughs> hang with me here, brain surgery that partitions their work life from their personal life. In other words, when you enter the office, your work self becomes conscious and clocks in. When it's quitting time, the out-of-office self, which I refer to as an Audi, takes over and goes home retaining no memory of life on the job. Mm-hmm. It's business in the frontal lobe, party in the back. With me so far? Yeah. Okay. No more balancing work and personal life. No more bringing your office dress home. No more Monday morning, oh, man, I got to go into work. Could be bliss. Could be terrible. It's just that's what it is. Except, of course, it isn't. And while some employees enjoy being you're, – you're aware of this. You're aware that once you leave, you remember everything on the outside. Once you come in, you forget it. And some employees are perfectly happy with that. There's one guy who's one of the characters whose wife passed away in a car accident, so he goes to work. He doesn't remember that, and he likes the nine hours of being uninterrupted by that. But that's not the way humanity is supposed to operate. So it brings up all sorts of larger philosophical questions, and there's, there are hints that the government is tracking this private business not to stop the brain-cutting techniques, which, by the way, it's called severance. Um, the name of the show is Severance, and the, I don't even know if I said that before. I'm sorry if I didn't. No, you did. Okay. And the brain-cutting techniques, brain-separating techniques are called Severance, because obviously that's what it does. That's how the show got its name. And the government is tracking it because maybe they want to spread it into the general public. I only got to see two episodes yesterday. I definitely recommend checking out Severance. If you like shows like Black Mirror... Um, and Mr. Robot, which was a huge hit, 
you will like this. Uh, Ray, you probably never saw either of those shows. Uh, no, I did not. You know what? You know what? My wife said this reminded her of, and this one goes way back. And I'm guessing you saw this show way back. You remember the Prisoner? Oh yeah. This is this. This could have been the the latest iteration of the Prisoner. Okay. It's a it's a little bit of a slow burn. You have to stick with the first episode. The second one moves a little more, but still, I I got the sense, and people have seen more than I have, say that the intensity picks up in the coming episodes. Um, the only problem I have is they're they're releasing them a week at a time. How dare they? So I think after two or three more episodes, I'm going to have to wait and catch up. It's so funny now that people stream, it's almost offensive that I, you have to wait a week to see a show. But there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Stiller is involved. Ben Stiller directs six of the nine episodes. Um, Adam Scott, who was a- a- Amy Poehler's boyfriend on Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. you know that actor? Uh, yeah. Okay, he's the central character. He's like a nice guy caught up in the machine. Uh, John Torturo is in it as like the starchy veteran. Uh, Patricia Arquette is the the deadpan, terrifying boss. Okay. Uh, and in episode two, they briefly introduce, and I think he's going to be a part of the series moving forward, a very courtly Christopher Walken. Hmm. So anything with him is worth seeing. Right. So very good cast, very odd setup. Unique show, a little bit creepy, uh, hang in there, but uh, I appreciate James Seltzer recommending to me, and I recommend on Apple TV Plus, if you get it, it's a good, it's, I've recommended a lot of shows on Apple TV Plus before, you just get it for like a couple months and watch all the good shows that they have, and one of them, I would say, is this one called um, a Severance, <laughs> I said the wrong name, called Severance, watch Severance. Okay, good. So there you go. All right, Ray? Yeah. You know, someday we're going to run out of time for this. And this offer continues to stand. Mm -hmm. That if you ever take me up on watching one of these streaming shows Mm -hmm. on Apple TV+, Plus, on Netflix, on Amazon Prime, on Hulu, on any of these thousands of stations I get, BritBox, God Almighty. My wife told us the cable bill yesterday, and I I really got to cut back. But hey... (laughs) It's all for work. Oh, that, should, that, should, that should be a tax write-off. It's part of your work. It is, but nonetheless, um, if you ever choose to do it, I will buy you that service for not just the show, but for six months. All you have to this one's nine episodes. Mm-hmm. You have to commit to watching nine episodes, and you can see everything on Apple TV Plus for the next six months. Uh huh. You in? No. Okay. No, it's a very nice offer, though. That's it, uh, it, very generous on your part. Yeah, I tried. Yeah, I tried. There are some shows I know, this one I don't know that you would love, but there's sometimes I recommend a show and I think, oh, my God, Ray would love this show. Yeah, I just, well, as I've said before, I just watch very, very, very little television. So it just, yeah, it but just you go would, to Yeah, but you appreciate good television. Generally, yeah. All right, I give up. All right, everybody other than Ray, check out on Apple TV Plus Severance. Thank you. Mike and Marlton is with us. Hello, Mike. Hey, Ray. Hey, Glenn. How are we doing today, guys? We're good, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, You guys talking about the TV shows just made me think. uh, There's this show coming on to uh, HBO tonight involving the Showtime Lakers. Um, And as like a young and as a young fan who's 22, I have no idea what it's about. But man, that looks interesting. I've never like knew how much like turmoil was in that uh, dynasty of a team. Yeah, I Ray, have you seen the the, the promos for this? Because they don't just have the promos on. It's a, is it HBO or Showtime? 
I think it's Showtime. It's HBO. Is it? Okay. Well, whatever. Oh, okay. the, okay. the show. The show is called Showtime. That's, well, that's show, right. yeah, Showtime was the Lakers. It should be on Showtime, but it's on HBO. Ray, have you seen the previews for it? Um, I, I saw I saw one preview that uh, that was John C. Riley is is Jerry Buss, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> it it looks interesting. I don't know how you'll pull it off because everybody knows Magic Johnson, what he looks like, what he talks like. How, you know, how do you cast an actor to play Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? But I will I tell you. Yeah, I, well, yeah, a lot of that. Mike, I, I will be checking it out. It starts tonight? Yeah, it starts tonight, the first episode. I think it's weekly-based, uh, and I'm just looking for something to you know get onto since uh, the last dance. Yeah, and you said you're 22 years old? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, it'll, I'm curious. Do me a favor. Call us mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks to let us know your impressions of it because – as a guy who didn't grow up seeing those players, you'll probably have a different viewpoint than we will, but I want to hear it. Yeah, no, for sure I will. Um, and then that's, like, with the Sixers, like, when, uh, like, I've been a fan of them, like, as, as long as I can remember. So, like, in 2015, 2016, uh, I went to Stone Harbor for, like, one of the beach bashes. So I got to see Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons before they even played on the court. Nice. Uh, it was, like, a meet, a meet and greet. Um, but the thing is, like, I looked at those guys like God. Um, and I didn't exactly plan on asking this question, but uh, Ray, I wanted to ask you yesterday. Um, what do you think Ben Simmons having to never directly answering to his mental health? And I know it's kind of loaded. Um, I don't. I just really respect you um, as one of the best reporters. Uh, what do you think with his mental health and not having to answer from it is going to do to the average Joe and what they think of mental health? Because I heard someone compare Calvin Ridley and Ben Simmons, and I almost threw up. Because it's like a really important issue, it especially is. among like young people. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it seems like he got away with it, and like I, spe- I listened to the camera, and it's so upsetting that people gave him leeway or even entertained it. And I'm not calling him a liar. But no, no, we got what you're saying, and, and let, let Ray address it, Mike, because we, we hear yeah. your concern, and we're going we're gonna to let you go, we're going to let Ray yeah. address it, but, but call us back uh, after yeah, you see that Showtime show. All right, Ray? Thanks, thanks. Yeah. Yep, thank you. Yeah, um, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I hesitate to take a position on Ben Simmons' mental health. I mean, I don't, I don't know the guy, uh, I don't know everything that makes him tick or doesn't tick, but to me, the, the whole... Uh, I mean, it's, I hate to say this about myself, but I was just very skeptical of it. I, you know, mental health is a serious issue. Mental health is a is a is a terrible thing for the people, um, and there are people who have it in their families, that have it with loved ones, that have it with friends, that have it with coworkers. They've seen the real thing, have seen it up close, and see how it can devastate people, and in some cases, end people's lives. Um, and to me, when Ben Simmons brought that out in his issues with the with the Sixers. And kind of wrapped himself in the in in the garment of mental health, as that's the mental illness. That that's that's what's really bothering me now. To me, it, it just seemed it seemed all too convenient. Uh, and if if that's really what it was, and I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he did have some issues, but if that's really what it was, if it was just a device, if it was just another part of his strategy to get out of Philadelphia, then um, I, I just think it's a terrible thing. I mean, and it goes beyond just sports. It goes just beyond doing business. It goes way beyond basketball. Uh, and and it's, just, it, it's, just a, it's just a terrible thing that you would take something like that that is so serious um, and changes people's lives in many cases, and you're just going to use that as one more, 
as one more arrow in your quiver in your attempt to get out of get out of a situation that you don't like making you paying you millions of dollars to me that's a, that's a despicable thing to do and i don't want i don't want to hang that on them because i don't know but i hate to say my first instinct was i think that's what's at work here um and it it, it really it, it really upset me it really upset me and it still does to this day nicely said um let's sneak in mike from cinnamonson as a linebacker question morning morning guys morning mike uh, i i got i have to first agree with all the callers who uh proclaim you guys the best show on wip um Thanks, for me mike. your appointment radio thank you so <laughs> thank much you, mike i and, appreciate that and and we you you do your sunday shows it's that's just bonus coverage for me um before i get to the linebacker you guys were talking about last week tom brady movies and i don't know if it's known he was in a coen brothers movie ray probably knows this the the movie stuck on you with Greg Kinnear and Matt Matt Damon. Oh, that's they're, right. They're conjoined twins. He he just has a, a little quickie bit in the back uh, during the, the the back end of the uh, doing the behind the scenes of, of their TV show on that. Um, but I, I saw him the first time. I was like, who is that? That guy looks. Oh, that's that's Tom Brady. But so let so, me uh, ask you. I, I well, did not see that, but Ray, you did see that, and he was also in uh, Ted. Is that the one he was in, or Ted, Ted Returns? Ted yeah, Two. Ted, Ted Two. Okay. So, um, worse actor as a quarterback, Tom Brady or Brett Favre? <laughs> oh, Favre. No, no. Favre's doubt. worse. Ray, you agree? Yeah. <sighs> well, Favre was so bad in something about he had, Mary. He had more lines. I mean, Brady didn't have hardly any lines. Yeah. Well, uh, in in Ted Two. Yeah, Wooden. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the the scenes of of Favre and Cameron Diaz together were pretty painful. I mean, well, but, well, but 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 it made but it made me laugh. I mean, it was it was one of those. It really was the definition of so bad it's good. I really kind of thought that. Well, Glenn, understanding your your desire to stay away from politics, I'm not going to get political. But uh, a cameo in Stuck on You, and, and it was another one of those. Wait a second, is that uh, Ben Carson? Really? <laughs> yeah, he he plays a doctor. Oh well, that, that, that helps separate. The, at least the he's typecast. Twins. All right. Yeah, exactly. Well, he did. Well, he was a doctor who separated yeah, conjoined he, twins, so he's yeah. he's playing himself. There you go. Right. Right. All right. What uh, do you got uh, on linebackers? Okay, for Ray. Yeah, yesterday, Go Birds guy, the guys after your show were talking about there's no young talent under thirty on the defense, and I thought, okay, Mil- Milton Williams looks like, looks like he's he's got some talent. But after they they got rid of Eric Wilson, that 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 disaster of linebacker who's you know mm. played the running running game five yards down the field. Right. Um, they got Davian Taylor on the field, and and I was seeing speed, and I was seeing uh, maybe a nose for the ball. What what was your impression of the little bit we saw of Davian before he got hurt last year, Ray? Um, too small a sample. Um, I I, I want to see more. I know I know they. You know, if you talk to the people down there, they'll they'll tell you, "Oh, he was great." You know, he was re- you know really looked good. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, it, the one thing the one thing you saw was kind of what you knew was that he's he's a really good athlete. I mean, for a guy his size, he can he can run. Uh, and if if range is what you're looking for, and range is what you need in in that linebacker position, he's got that. But what I saw was kind of what I expected to see. The guy does not have much of a football background. He didn't play very much football in high school. Um, he's, you know, he, he didn't play a whole heck of a lot in college. Uh, and he just doesn't, at this point, he doesn't have the instincts of a football player. He has the athletic ability of a football player, but he doesn't have the instincts of a football player. And to me, the linebacker position is, 
is largely instinct because you got to be able to you got to be able to find the football. And um, I think that that's that's what he's got to build on. I, I know they you know they they want to tell you that he's did he's doing good because they drafted him pretty high. I thought he was way overdrafted. Um, but to me, he's it's the jury is very very much out. I. I, in this draft, I definitely think I would use one of those first three picks on a linebacker. I would because there are, I mean, there are true linebackers. I mean, guys who play the position, know the position, and can step in and upgrade you immediately that are available in this draft. You're going to be in position to come home with one, and if I were them, I would. 215-592-9494, Glenn McNair, Ray Dinger, 94 WIP. <laughs> Ray Dinger, Glenn McNair, 94 WIP. Uh, somebody sent me a note about you not buying a new bed in 40 years, but I'll I'll give it to you off the air. At some point. <laughs> uh, that that one is. I have a refrigerator in my basement yeah. that I bought used in 1981. Mm-hmm. Used, so I don't know how old it is, and I'm t- I mean I'm sure it's an energy burner, but it's down there. It's got you know 100 cans of beer, and it does just fine for that. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a well, that's why I'm buying a new bed. Uh, one, just one more thing before I go to the callers. And I sent you this last night. Um, a guy did an art project of where he took a picture of Ray Didinger and then touched it up to make Roy Didinger. Did uh, you see yeah. it? Uh, yeah, I did. My and wife it, saw it too. Yeah, well, I sent it to her as well. Mm-hmm. You didn't. Me- She's the one that showed it to me, actually. Yeah, you didn't mention it to me. <laughs> I was curious what you thought because it's getting rave reviews. Oh, it is, it. huh? Oh, God, yes. I've gotten not not, not from uh, not from my wife. I've oh, <laughs> she was not amused. I'm sorry. I've gotten 208 reviews of it on Twitter. Uh, most most love it. I mean, it's it's a parody, right? Yeah, I, I mean, she's that. my wife has never seen me with a cigarette dangling from my lips. Well, so that's that's the point. It's a, it's, a, it's it's let's put it this way. It's a different look. It's your evil twin. <laughs> that's well, the point. I think you definitely got the evil part down. <laughs> With the earring, all he's missing is like an eagle's neck tattoo. That would have, that would have been perfect. But it, it matches that personality that we so rarely get to see. Yeah, I know. Well, tell your wife I apologize for spreading it. That's okay. If anybody wants She'll to get see over it. it. Yeah, yeah. John and Manny Young wants to talk some football. Hey, John. Hey, Glenn. I got two uh, Eagles questions. First of all, I'm looking forward to trying to do it. He's the IPA. Is there any good? Nice. Well, yeah, listen, uh, we uh, at Conchalk and Brewing Company, we made a beer in conjunction with Mark Zumoff, who came to us for charity. It goes to uh, profits go to Philadelphia Youth Basketball. It is a, a very crushable, hazy IPA, 5.2 percent. So, you you know, it's not going to knock you under the table it is for me. It is my official beer of watching the 76ers. So there you go. Yeah. Great. Enjoy All the right, zoo. I got it. Great. Yeah, I'm going to get one. Uh, Ray, uh, two quick questions on the Eagles. Yeah. First of all, I'm watching YouTube here and watching this kicker, Hunter from San Diego State. Oh. Let's take this month of ball 90 yards. <laughs> yes, Ray. Third or fourth round oh. pick on him. Oh, boy. Like Ray- Come on, Ray. I see another punter bet coming oh, on. Oh, Ray, I love it. Yeah. You, I showed you, Ray, I showed you some of that video. He punts like nobody ever in history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like uh, like twenty yards where the guy's. Oh yeah, where guy's yeah. he's like Ray guy and Gerald Wilson together in one leg. Ray, let's <laughs> not compare him to Ray guy. Ray guy's in the Hall of Fame. Okay, I'm telling you, Ray, this is the guy. What's his name? Matt Azaria. Yes, uh, Areza. Yes, Areza. Ray, that's the guy. Fourth round pick. I'm in. Oh great. Okay, swap. <laughs> yeah, you you use that fourth round pick on a punter. That's good. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, yeah. Wasn't that Ray Guy taken in the first round? Ray Guy was taken in the first round. Right? Yeah. There you go. Right? I think, it's, I think he's that. the only, um, I think to this day, he's the only punter, he's the only punter, punter solo. I mean, Russell Erksleben was drafted in the first round, but he was a punter and a place kicker. And not a particularly, yeah, not work out. And not a particularly good one, uh, but the only actual punter punter that was taken in the first round was Ray Guy. And everybody laughed at Al Davis when he did it, and it proved to be a pretty smart decision. Hey, Ray, one more question while I got you on the line. Uh, so we, you guys were just talking about uh, Dickerson at left guard, at yeah. right guard with Brooks retiring. Um, a lot of people assume that Siamalo is going to be put right in there, but I really like Driscoll. If he could stay healthy, he's a pretty good player. You know, I, I, agree you you. I agree with yeah. you. I agree with you. I think that um, in all likelihood, uh, if Kelsey comes back, and I, 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 I think he is going to play at least one more year, uh, then probably Siamalo will, the, will be the guy. Um, at least initially, I think he'll get first crack at it. Uh, but I, you know, I would let Driscoll compete for it, and I think Driscoll, if if a year from now Kelsey does walk away, um, I think Sayamalo is your next center, and uh, and then at that point, then I think Driscoll becomes your right guard. But I think Driscoll can play. I think Driscoll mm-hmm. he's he can play tackle, but I think he's proven that he can play guard. Um, he's a good player. He's a nice right, versatile so player. Give me the Eagles' offensive line in twenty twenty four. What you, what you know, right? We know the left tackle is right. Mylotta. Yeah. You say Dickerson's your left guard. He would be. All right. So you you, you need a post-Kelsey center. Yeah, and I would say Sayamalo. Oh, okay. Yeah, right, Sayamalo. Right. right. Right guard, Driscoll. I'll give Driscoll. And hopefully Lane Johnson's still here. Hopefully he's still got Lane Johnson. Um, right. I, I will uh, – can I – I like that it's all in-house. Yeah, well, um, can I sneak in a, um, a draft point here since we're sure. talking offensive line? Yeah. The player in this draft who really fascinates me on the offensive line, uh, and his and his name is Daniel Falale, Falale, uh, from the University of Minnesota. Uh, I read about him during the year, uh, and I was intrigued. Uh, and I actually watched a game that he played. I was so intrigued I watched a game that he played. Uh, they called the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. I think I was the only one that watched that. Um, it was the University of Minnesota <laughs> against West Virginia. But I, I watched it solely to see this guy. Um, I want him. I want him. He's a tackle, you said? He's an, he's an, he's an offensive tackle. Uh, and he's six feet, eight and a half, and three, 384 pounds. Oh. <laughs> now, he went to the combine. And now here's, I, I, was, I was really intrigued. Like, I read about him, and I said, well, wait a minute. i got to see this guy. He's not bad. Now, he's, he's, a, he's clearly a work in progress, but there's really something there. Uh, and he went to the combine this past week, did not work out, did the interviews with, this, with the guys. He took the physicals, all that stuff. That's where they measured him and weighed him. That's where they came out with the, with the six feet, eight and a half, and 384 pounds. Um, but I read an interview with him, and I, that, that's what confirmed it to me. I said, oh, yeah, I want this guy. Um, he did this interview. He's, he's, from, he's from Australia. He was a oh rug- right! I love him already. He, he was a rugby player. Does oh it, come on! Does it, does this, does, who does this sound like? This worked before. Who does this sound like? You know, six feet eight, three hundred and three hundred eighty plus rugby player from Australia. Uh, who does that sound like? Oh, I love uh, it. And in this interview, he goes on and on and on about how Jordan Mailata is his idol. Oh, how Jordan Mailata is his idol and his inspiration, and seeing Jordan Mailata play. And become a, not just a player, but a but a borderline star in the National Football League. Um, has as is his inspiration. Falele. Falele. So we got Mylata and Falele. Yeah. Oh, I am so in. 
This guy, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I mean, entirely we, in. Mylotta had never even played football, okay? He was purely a rugby player yeah. that the Eagles brought in and turned into a really good tackle. This guy at least has played college football. He played at the University of Minnesota. I saw him play. He's not quite as fluid as Mylotta is in terms of just being a, a raw athlete, yeah. uh, but his size and strength is undeniable. And I, I really do think that you, he's, he, he went on and on about how Mylotta is an idol to him. Um, I'll tell you. I, I would draft him. I would draft him, and I would bring Where, him in where's here. Where's he going to go? What round? I would probably. He's, I think he's a day three guy. Okay. I think he's. I think he's. You know. You. You know. He may get to the fifth round where the Eagles have like three picks, but he may. You know. I. I don't know. I may. I may think. Right, so think he's the fourth four. rounder, and then the punter's the fifth rounder. That's what you're saying. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is, I would bring this guy in, uh, and I would. You know, I would let give him the locker next to Jordan Mailata. I'd let Jeff Stoutland. Work yeah. his magic with him oh, for a couple this. years because you got Lane Johnson for at least another year or two. Yeah, and then this guy will be ready to play, and you might have, know. and you might have. Jason Peters was there until Milada was ready. Yeah, and you might have two twin tower Aussie tackles that'll oh. play here for ten years. Oh, Ray, come on, <laughs> you, you you got me. I am in Falele. Yeah. What'd you say, da- Daniel? Daniel Dan- Falele. Right, I'm in. All right, name to remember. He was 426 pounds. He slimmed down to 384. He missed now. dinner? Okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of callers. We're going to get you guys coming up, and Ray is going to give his Ray Dinger draft report today, focusing on Combine Heroes. 215-592-9494. Ray and Glenn on 94 WIP. All righty. The NFL season starts 10 days from now. What that means is that's when free agents can start moving. That's when, oh, teams start with transactions, and it's when the buzz starts to pick up even more. And every uh, weekend between now and the NFL draft, we are going to do, as we are right now, the Ray Dinger NFL Draft Preview. <laughs> oh, I love that music. Yeah, it, it, it even it even works at this time of the year, right? Even oh, when yeah. it's even when it's oh, not yeah. the season, it, 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 it that was it one of works. the brilliant things of the Sables is to associate this kind of great music with football. Yep, the genius of Sam Spence. He was yeah. the, he and was it, the he was the man who composed all of this. Yeah, and it's really to me, it's really um, like Pavlovian mm-hmm. that I hear this like oh football anyway. Yep. And all right, I'm gonna. All these years later, it still works. I'm gonna sit back, listen to you, listen to the music. Okay, I am. Uh, I'm gonna sort of argue against myself here for the next minute or two. Uh, I'm gonna talk about the. I'm gonna talk about the combine. And I'm gonna talk about the combine results and what they mean and what they don't mean and how they can how they're meaningless and yet how they have meaning. Okay, so try and bear with me here. Um, the the combine. If anybody's listened to me on the radio, knows that I am. I, I uh, it drives me crazy in many ways because I think in in some ways it just leads talent evaluators, general managers, people who should know better down the wrong path, and they put these tests out there that are all to me very kind of arbitrary, and a guy who was a mediocre college football player can go there and run a fast forty and all of a sudden become a first round draft pick, which I've never understood, but you see it happen all the time, and just to support my argument here, I went back and and, and researched this and I found the person who who. Set all who holds all the records in all the various combine, all the various combine Ooh. activities. Okay, so I'm going to read these names to you, yeah, and you can tell me if you've ever heard of any of these guys. Okay, because they all went on to the National Football League, and you have to be a real a, a real draft neck, a real get down in the weeds guy to know any of these guys. Okay, the fastest forty yard dash, 
the fastest 40-yard dash was turned in by a guy named John Ross. In yeah, tw- I remember John in, in Ross. In 2017, okay? Yeah, yeah, receiver. Okay, Did, yep. didn't, didn't really pan out. Yes. <laughs> you think? Yeah. He ran a 4-2-2 and wound up being a first-round draft pick of the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. He's been in the league for five years. He's been with two different teams, uh, and he still has not made an impact. The no. top bench press was by a, a lineman named Stephen Pe'e, okay, in 2011. Don't know him. And did, um, this is actually pretty impressive. He did 49 reps with a 225-pound bar. That's, that is pretty impressive. Yeah. But it didn't translate on the field. He's been in, he, went, he went to the NFL, played seven years, uh, was with four different teams, and never made an impact. The top vertical jump was done by a guy named Chris Conley in 2015. Chris Collinsworth? Um, no, no, Conley. Chris Conley, 2015. Right. Yeah. Uh, did a 45-inch vertical. Again, impressive. But he's been in the NFL. He went to the NFL, was there for seven years. He's been with three different teams, basically done very little. You know what's interesting about this list you're giving me? Yes. Everybody gets a third chance. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, because, because somebody f- somewhere said, like, you know, he can't play, but he did do 47 reps, so right. know, let's give him a shot. Yep. Okay, now we're going to get to the one guy who actually has played. Uh, the, the best broad jump that's been done at the Combine was by Byron Jones, who was a cornerback. Um, and he did 12 feet 3 inches, which is pretty good, uh, in 2015. Uh, he was drafted in the first round by the Cowboys. He's played in the league seven years. He's been with two different teams. He's currently with Miami. Has actually, has actually turned into a pretty good player. I mean, he's a starting player. He's a legit player. He's the only one. Then you go to the shuttles. The 20-yard shuttle, oh, yeah. the, t- the, top, the, the top performer in the 20-yard shuttle was Brandon Cooks in 2014. Oh. Well, there you go. Well, was, what do you mean, here you go? What? I mean, he's, he's, he's 2014. What's, how many pro, you want to know how many Pro Bowls he's been to? I'm guessing none. None, zero. He's, okay. <laughs> he's eight years, he's with four well, different... you're me how many of these guys I've heard of. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've heard of Brandon Cooks. Yeah, well, I mean, um, but in eight, he's, this is his eighth year. He's been with four different teams. Most recently, he's with Houston. Sixty-yard yep. um, shuttle. Shel- this na- now this name I know you'll remember because the Eagles drafted him, Sheldon Gibson. Oh gosh, yes. And from twenty in twenty seventeen, yeah, fifth round pick out of West Virginia. Yeah, it was run the best sixty-yard shuttle that had ever been done yeah. at the combines. Played played three years with the Eagles, uh, and and he was he's one he's the one guy that got cut by the Eagles and never got picked up by anybody well, there else. There you go. Okay, and then the three chip, cone uh, pick. What's that? Was he a chip pick? Uh, twenty seventeen. Yeah, he would have been. Okay. Oh no, no. I guess uh, no, twenty seventeen would have been. Yeah, that'd be the first year of Doug. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, he's probably got a Super Bowl ring. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, that's that's the rundown. Now you got all of those guys who did all of these wonderful things in the sprints and the jumps and the cones and all that stuff. Out of all of these guys, you have one guy that made a Pro Bowl. Byron Jones made one Pro Bowl. That's it. And he he only made one in seven years. So, got, Ray, uh, in summation, your point is? My point is you can't be fooled by what happens in the combine. But if you see a guy who is a really good player, that you've watched him play in college, you know the guy can play, you know he's smart, you know he can perform, you've seen him, you've seen him for the lack of a better term, play football, okay, and you know he can play football. And then he goes to the combines and, and blows the doors off. Then you really got something because you already know you got a football player, and now you see that he's got athletic ability on top of it. And three of my Georgia guys uh, have really shown this week. We talked with uh, when we were on with uh, Zach Berman. We talked about Trayvon Walker, the defensive end, uh, six five two seventy five, ran a four five forty. 
uh, did a 35-inch vertical uh, and just was exceptional the whole tr- the whole the whole time in Indianapolis and just I think it's bad news for the Eagles because I was thinking of him as an Eagles draft pick at like 15, 16. Mm-hmm. He's not getting out of the top 10 now. Uh, and the fact was he played inside at Alabama. Uh, I think he's going to be testing outside as an edge rusher, and I think he'll be even better in the NFL. And the other guy, and we heard him in, in a little update at the top of the hour, uh, he is the talk of Indianapolis, and that's Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle, from again, from Georgia. Um, six feet six. He played at 360 pounds this year at Georgia. Uh, slimmed down to 340, uh, but ran an incredible 47840. I mean, that's, that is just ridiculous. A guy that size could move that fast. But the thing is, he is a really good player. I mean, it's on play at Georgia. He's really, really good. Uh, and I knew he was fast. I knew he was faster than your typical defensive lineman and quick off the ball. But the fact that he was able to run that kind of time is really astounding. And what, what it really proves is, in an era of pro football where defensive linemen, especially defensive tackles, are thought of as very often two-down players, you know, when it comes to pass rushing situations, okay, you got to get him off the field because he yeah. can't rush the quarterback. Yeah. Jordan Davis is a guy who you can invest a very high draft pick in him because he is going to be not a two-down player. You can play him in every situation, and I think he's going to be a major star. I'm only disappointed you didn't say anything about hand size. Oh, yeah, Kenny Pickett. Who's got the biggest hands? Well, I don't know who has the biggest hands, but Kenny Pickett, the quarterback from Pitt, definitely has the smallest hands. He's got little doll hands. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, one more thing. Uh, a guy whose name has come up in our conversations with our callers, uh, a lot of people talking about uh, Devin Lloyd, the linebacker from Utah, because everybody's thinking linebackers and with the Eagles draft a linebacker. And a lot, of, a lot of the draft people have Devin Lloyd listed as their number one linebacker in this draft. I don't. I still like N'Kobe Dean from Georgia. Um, but I have to tell you, if, if you're a combine guy, Devin Lloyd didn't help himself in Indianapolis. Uh, he ran a 4.66, which is... By the standards of people who pay attention to the stopwatch, that's pretty slow. Mm. That's pretty slow. And he, you know, when they put him through the drills, he was just kind of okay. Um, his, his bench press was just kind of okay. Uh, and then when he got to the 40, he actually kind of bombed out. Now, I don't know how far that's going to drop him, but, I mean, a lot of people were talking about him as a top 10 guy, top 12 guy. I honestly think that what happened in Indianapolis has pushed him down a little bit. He'll still go in the first round, but he's not going to go as high as people thought he was. Can I tell you, the, in, in my memory, the three biggest hands I've ever had the opportunity to shake. Mm-hmm. Okay. One is Julius Irving. Mm, yeah. Long. Like his fingers could wrap around you. Yes. One was Gordy Howe. Mm-hmm. Actually, with him, it was more the forearms, but it, it's you, you ever shake hands with Gordy Howe? Oh, yes. I mean, your, your hand just shrinks. And the third was Aikman. Aikman has huge hands. Yeah. Amazing, and it's amazing because he was so bad in the rain. I mean, that that, that well, there you that, go. Huh? That's that's the argument, and and was was and we'll admit it. He can't play with a wet football. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's sort of the counter argument. No, he can't draft a quarterback with small hands because he can't play. He can't play in bad weather. Well, Troy Aikman had enormous hands, and he couldn't. And and his worst games were in were in inclement weather. I'll tell you that the biggest hands I ever shook was uh, was William Perry. The fridge. Oh yeah, yeah. He, right? he still has the biggest ring size ever in the. Oh, Super Bowl. I remember seeing a picture of the ring. Yeah. Yes, yes. It was, it was like crazy. He's like yes. a size, like, like, a, like a size nineteen ring, or like something. a bracelet. Yeah, exactly. That, that that's the biggest hand I've ever shaken. Although you know, you know who else had an enormous hand it was Muhammad Ali when I met him. Yeah, I never had that chance either. That's uh, I. That's 
If we ever do the show of who's the guy you never met that you wish you had had the chance to meet, for me, it will always be Ali. Yeah, That's I had that opportunity, which was yeah, great. Yeah. But I'll tell you the thing about Ali's hand. When he made a fist, and and he did it, you know, demonstrating some stuff no, to I, me. No, he held it right up to your chin. Yeah, he held it right up to my face. Who was you rooting for? <laughs> he, it, I, I swear to God, it looked like a cannonball. I mean, yeah. his fist was and, so big. And hit like one. And sure. That's good. All right, there you go. Let's get uh, good stuff, Ray, with the Ray Dinger draft report. Will be with us every weekend. Bill in Harleysville, you're on with Ray and Glenn. Right, right, right on this topic. I have a, like a quick multi-part question, and my question it starts with: Could the Eagles put together a mutually acceptable package and move up high enough in the draft to have a shot at Kenny Pickett? Oh, sure. Okay. If they, I mean, if they wanted to. Oh, well, right. So my so my follow up to that then would be: Would you do that? No. Because I know you're, you've always said Kenny Pickett is the best QB in this draft. I, yes, I, I do believe that, yes. Would you, would you make that move if you could? No. Okay. Okay, so then my follow-up is, given that we don't know what Jalen Hurts is going to prove to be, I, I'm assuming he basically has another season to show that, yeah, he is a guy or, or still could be the guy, or no, we need to look in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't it be prudent of the Eagles to take one of the, at least one of their three draft picks and trade it for a, 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 a first-round pick next year so you'd have a little more mobility and freedom to hopefully get maybe a, another quarterback if you yeah. need it that, uh, in next year's draft. I'd be good with that. If they did that, um, and if they don't use it for quarterback, you know, if, if Hertz is that good, use it for something else, I would be fine if they took one of the three, court, uh, excuse me, one of the three draft picks and traded it for future value. I would. Gray? Um, maybe, depending on what's on the board. Uh, depending on what's on the board, I, I'm, I, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but there are so many good defensive players in this draft. I mean, really good, really good, um, that I don't know that I can walk away from any of them. I mean, so, I, 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 I would, what I would do is I, I would play it out, um, and let's say, let's say I use 15-16 and, and take the best player on the board right now, okay? Yeah. And I'm, now I'm still holding 19, which I could trade if I want to. Would I do that depending on who's on the board at that time? If there's a player on the board that I really like and I really believe is a fit, and again, I'm thinking defense for a team, then I know what you're saying about trading it for a number one next year and maybe, and, and maybe squeezing an extra pick this year, maybe get somebody, maybe get, have them give you an extra three. Uh, there, I mean, there's, you can argue that. But if there's a guy sitting there that I know can, I know that is a plug-and-play, that I can bring him in and he's going to be a fit for our defense, I would take him. I really would because you, really, you can really change everything about this defense this year in one draft because you have the picks and there are the players. They're there. All right. Let's get uh, Rob and Doyle. Hey, let's talk a little baseball. Let's, uh, well, there is no baseball, but we can still talk about it, Rob. Uh, Patrick McGowan? Yeah, the prisoner. The prisoner, yes. That was uh, it. Very good odd show way back in the day. Yes, and yes, it was. Um, negotiations aside, uh, I wonder if you guys could speculate about uh, what the Phillies lineup is going to be like, uh, lefty and righty. Wow, <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, okay, you just need it by position. Yeah. All right. Well, your catcher is is JT, right? That we know. Yep. Okay. Hopefully, uh, he wasn't great last year. Hopefully, I have a little bit of a bounce back year. Uh, first base is uh, Reese Hoskins, although they got the DH. So we're gonna Ray, we're gonna put Bohm on first base, and Hoskins is a DH. That's what I would do if the DH does come in. Yeah. Okay. 
I didn't uh, think it's it. I think it's a it's a done deal with the DH. Oh, the DH is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that's the way it goes. I I don't know who. So who's the rest of my infield? I still got Segura under contract, right? Didi's a free agent. Yeah, he's not coming back. Okay, they signed that kid Camargo. I know they have the rookie, but I don't know that he's ready to play. Um, Bryce is in right field. Veerling, they like Veerling. He's going to be one of the outfielders. Uh, and, I, and I don't know. <laughs> and I don't know. Here's the thing. To answer your question. There is going to be, when baseball settles, there is going to be a frenzy because there are hundreds of unsigned free agents. Um, some of them top-line guys, some of them substitutes, some of whom are going to end up in the Philly starting lineup. And basically, to, to get to your point, the Phillies don't really, they don't have a lineup at this point. Did I miss anybody that you had wanted to mention there, uh, Rob? No, no, not really. Okay. I just, uh, I, I'm in a, you know, I have no idea what I'm going to be watching, if I'm going to be watching it. Uh, one more thing is uh, my wife sleeps on a 48-year-old mattress, and uh, then I go sleep in a lazy boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm doing now. So that's why one of the reasons we got a bed, and, and I don't want to get too deep into the woods here, but uh, um, I don't know if you know, Ray knows, that I herniated this disc in my back, so I, our bed is really uncomfortable Half the nights, like I, I fall asleep in the bed, wake up, and end up moving to the chair. So, Rob, it's not a good way to do. Do what I did. Go buy a bed. Go sink okay. all your money into a bed. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Okay, uh, you got it. Philly, Philly's lineup. Just please tell me. Please tell me. I'm not going to have to watch Hoskins and Bone be, both be on the field at the same time. Please, please well, tell I don't me know they'll both be in the field, but they'll be in the lineup. Well, I, but I mean, you know, I, I I can't I can't go another season watching those two. All uh, right, so Ray, I'm gonna let's let's. Get back to the great line that you had uh, during the summer, when Hoskins is on first base and Bohm is on third base. Mm -hmm. You refer to them as the corner butchers. It was brilliant, <laughs> and I can't go. I cannot go. I cannot go another. I cannot go another baseball season and watch those two guys play the you field. Know, I don't think I Zach just, Wheeler or Aaron Nola can. I, I, so. I just can't. I, I just can't. And All I, right. I, but I, if the DH comes in, that that that's going to be your solution. One of them, one of them will play first, and the other one will be DH. Yeah, it'll be your solution. Except who's going to play third? I feel like I'm forgetting somebody, but I'm really not forgetting somebody. There's not like anybody else on the roster that is, is going to crack it. I mean, um, they, I mean, they they they've talked about the possibility of putting Segura at third. Remember, they talked about that well, before. That, yeah, that's fine. But then you need a second baseman, right? So they they're definitely going to have to, and they don't have three outfielders. They're going to definitely have to sign guys. Uh, speaking of the Phillies and baseball and signing guys, uh, Todd Zalecki dropped this gem the other day, assuming we ever do get baseball back and you're driving in your car, listening in right here on 94 WIP. L.A. does the – well, Scott Fransky does all games. L.A. is the color guy in the home games. The road games, it's been Kevin Franson for the last few years. He left for an opportunity to go uh, TV gig in Washington with the Nationals. So, according – Two, Todd Zalecki, the Phillies are closing in on four former Phillies, according to their sources. Now, I have only ever heard one of these guys on the radio, but I have actually interviewed another one of them a few times. I'll give you their names, and then I'll give you my thoughts. Okay. Michael Bourne, remember him, the speedy outfielder? Yeah. Uh, they traded him to Atlanta way back in the day? Yeah. Okay. Chad Durbin, okay. one of the one of the Durbins that was on the, uh, the, the, the team during the run. Mm -hmm. Kevin Stocker. 
Okay, he he's done some games. Right. He when they had like the three Kevins alternating, he was right. one of the Kevins. And Eric Kratz. Okay. The the catcher. Now here's the gig. I've interviewed Eric Kratz when uh, we used to go down to spring training when I was doing middays and, and uh, afternoon drive. We went down, and Eric Kratz, while he was never a great player, was a great interview. Oh, okay. His he was his family owns uh, like one of the companies that makes bacon and turkey bacon, and so he got the nickname Turkey Bacon. <laughs> it's I've half, I think he's involved with like the Hatfield. Meat oh, okay. company. And turkey bacon's very good, by the way. If, 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 if you haven't had that, that's really quite tasty. Well, there you go. <laughs> from, from, from one guy with a bad heart to another. Is that mm-hmm. what you're trying to say? Yeah, basically. Okay. Anyway, um, Kratz is a guy who has a really good and fun personality and can tell a story. I haven't heard him behind the mic doing color on a game, but if you were to ask me to name former ballplayers, particularly former Phillies, who I would think would be good, he would be right at the top of the list. Okay. So he is my early favorite for a job, and maybe they're, what they're going to do is rotate these guys again until they find the one they want. Mm-hmm. But my early money is on Turkey Bacon Kratz. Okay. So there you go. Okay, well, there you go. Um, yeah, I've, you and I have talked before that the guy I would really love to see in there is Ricky Patalico, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. And as long as he's in the studio doing post game, I'm fine because I always want to get his input. But I would love to, I would, lo- I would love to, ca- I would love to get him uh, in, working as a game analyst because I think he would be just as frank and just as spot on in terms of his analysis um, in the booth as he is in the studio. I would love that, but I know that's not going to happen. All right, quick question, and we'll make this the exit question before we go to the break. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Ricky Patalico, more entertaining after a win or a loss? Oh, loss. Oh, by far. <laughs> Especially when the bullpen blows it. Yeah. Well, which was 40-something which times was, which, last yeah, year. Yeah, which was, which was only five times a week, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is great after a loss. His face is, when he and Marshall Harris did it, and I love Marshall, and Marshall would try to, like, find the rosy side. Yeah, of it. exactly. I, I love that, too. Ricky would give him a look, and it was just, it was great TV. Yeah, that the, arch, the arched eyebrow. Yeah. Like, are you serious? Smirk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, it really was. All right, let's get out. 215-592-9494. We'll take your calls coming up. Ray and Glenn on 94 WIP. And I need to tell you about guided door and window, which means I need to find the read. Here it is. Are you tired dealing with your old drafty windows and doors in your house? I'll bet you are. It is time you finally go guide. The great people at Guide Door and Window will help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off, and you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. Buy an entry door, get half off a storm door. Buy a patio door, get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, you save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guida is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act now. Offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Ray Danger, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. Got any big plans today, Ray? Um, yes, my wife and I are going out to see our, uh, our grandson performing with, it's, uh, the Phil- Archdiocese of Philadelphia Youth Orchestra is having, uh, I guess their spring concert. 
Uh, oh, nice. And so I'm going to go out and see uh, and see my grandson, Emmett, uh, play the trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> How old is he? He's 10. Yeah, those concerts are, uh, uh, at least it's not strings. Yeah, well, he's uh, he's been pl- he's been practicing for a while. Oh, that's um, great. And, oh, you uh, love it. And we'll see. And it's, it, it should be fun to see the kids. It's I, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be at Archbishop Carroll uh, this afternoon. So that's uh, that's where we're going to be. I, nice. I love you know. Listen, I I yeah. I mean, we we both have grandchildren, and we know. Uh, yeah, mine plays the viola, and let me tell you, that sounds like cats fighting when they're young. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's you know a little screechy. Well, the uh, the two boys, the two grandsons, are both into music. Uh, Emmett plays the trumpet, and George plays the piano. So nice, that's fun. Oh, wait, how old is George? He's young, right? Oh uh, yeah, George's like seven. Good for him. Yeah. Wow, that's great. So, nice. um, so yeah, that's that's fun, and, and it's, it's funny. The two the two granddaughters are both jocks. So yeah, you know, the two the two boys are musicians, and the two girls are athletes. Oh, I've seen the one, the field hockey one, with the like you know the tooth guard, and she she's like her dad, looks tough. She's good. She's yeah. really good. She's a cat. She's been voted captain of the team for next year for her senior year at Gwynedd Mercy. Very nice. Yeah, so she's done very well for herself. Very nice. And just I turned going... and just turned twenty one, by the way. That's that. That'll age you when you're yeah, when you when, when, when one of your grandchildren turns twenty one. Yeah, you suddenly feel very old. I was my son last week. It's like, wait, your hair is turning gray. What the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. So yes, it's 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 a thing. I am going down to uh, Wilmington Ray this afternoon to the mm-hmm. Delaware Theater Company, site of Tommy and Me last October. Yeah, what a great what a great place. And, we uh, we yeah, really love our a, time there. A world premiere musical called Other World, which is apparently going to head to Broadway after this. So I'm looking forward to that. My son-in-law Nathan, as you know, is the production manager there. So yes, indeed. Very, very proud of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Tommy and Me, before we go back to the phones, it's coming back. It is coming back. Uh, the um, Bucks County Playhouse, for the folks in this area that know it, it's uh, a great theater with a wonderful history uh, in New Hope, beautiful setting right there on the Delaware, uh, and Tommy and Me is, um, is, is going to be there, and we're just, could not be more thrilled about it. Uh, we open on April the 7th, which is <laughs> frighteningly close, uh, and we're going to do 10 performances through April the 17th, and uh, tickets just went on sale this very weekend, so if you go to the Bucks County Playhouse website, uh, and looked for up for Tommy and me. You can order your tickets, and uh, I can't I can't tell you how excited I am that it's coming back. We've got the same cast, we've got the same actors, the same director. Uh, it's the same show you've seen in the past, and uh, I I encourage people to come out because to see it at the Bucks County Playhouse will really really be exciting. Can I claim uh, one of two days? Oh no, I can't do that one. Can I claim a day for my day for the talkback? You want to do it on the air, off the air? Oh, uh, off the air. Okay, because <laughs> I got because I, I got a few people that have already signed up. So okay, I, so okay. I don't want to. I got I got to I got to time it because Passover hits during that thing. So I, I got to time it. All right, let's go to uh, Kevin. You're on uh, with Ray and Glenn. Hey, Kevin. Hi, how you doing? Just All a right. quick one. Uh, Earlier in your segment, you talked about trades that transform the city in terms of yeah. the team. I got a couple. One and I got a couple. One that took them to a different level in terms of worse, and other one better. Uh, the Will Chamberlain trade was a um, back to. Perpetrate, but it changed the direction of the Sixers for a long time. Um, and then I know one that uh, the other one was Julius Irving. Getting Julius Irving. Remember the Julius Irving and the excitement that the city had when he came to this town. Was it a trade or was it a – I don't mean to, to quibble. Was it a trade it or free agency? It wasn't a trade, but it was him coming to town because I think the Sixers claimed his rights yeah, it's with the ABA. Ray, yeah, they, you, would, you would know the They bought out his here. contract from the yeah. Nets, yeah. They, yeah. It, 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 there were two different leagues then. It was the ABA and the NBA, so it wouldn't have been trade. Yeah, they just bought yeah. out his contract. But I was thinking about athletes that came here that transformed the city in terms of what he did. And then Pete Rose. 
for sure. Coming to Philadelphia. Again, not a trade. I mean, it was a free agent no, not signing. not a trade, but, but athletes that came here yeah. transformed the organization. But trading yeah. Will Chamberlain was a trade. That was absolutely – and it took the Sixers in a very different direction. Yeah, and they traded him for, for garbage, right? Well, they got, they Archie, got Hoff Archie, and Archie Clark. Archie Clark was a good player. And I think player. Kat Haston was the other one. Yeah, you know what that reminds me of when the Sixers – and thanks, Heaven – when they traded Barkley mm-hmm. and basically got a bunch of junk. Yeah, they got uh, multiple players. They got multiple. Like, oh, Hornacek's going to be good. He never, he didn't care and, about. And it Tim Perry was a, you know, was an okay player from from Temple. But I mean, yeah. it was. It, but he you're talking Barkley. about you're talking about Charles Barkley, yeah, yes. an all timer. Yeah, yeah, seems like that. I mean, the the general rule of trades is whoever gets the best player wins the trade. Right, right. I I can get three average players, but I, if I give you a very good player, you win. Yep. And that's how that's how that works. It, it's, it, I mean, it's so simple. It sounds so simple on its face, but that's. I remember talking to John. You don't trade great players. You just you just don't because you never win those trades. Yeah, well, sometimes it's forced, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, sometimes circumstances force you to do it, but you you never you always think, well, we get you multiple, you know, get three guys. Well, no. It, it, if you if you've given up one great player, what are the chances that any of these guys are going to be that? They're not. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's that, that general rule of thumb, and it's 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 well worth following. Jason in Maine is with us, way up in Maine. Where are you living out in Maine, Jason? Uh, I'm in Bangor, not, not too far from uh, Lewiston, where that famous fight was. The one, oh, there. gosh, oh, yeah. Phantom Punch. Yeah. 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 One thing I will say about Maine is they got great beer up there. There's a lot of it. There oh, is. Maine Lunch, one of my favorites. Anyway, what's up? <laughs> so I wanted to talk about Gritty, but before that, uh, I remember uh, Mike Mamula was a star at the Combine. I think he set the bench press record. And the night he was drafted, G. Cobb said, you got to watch these guys that look like Tarzan and play like James. And it's pretty true. <laughs> yeah, right. He was, and, and I remember Sports Illustrated did a whole big feature on it. He was the first of the guys that trained specifically for the Combine, that, did, that, that practiced all of those drills, that they knew all the drills he was going to be asked to run, and went to a sports academy and practiced those particular skills. And got really good at them, and he went there and and had a tremendous workout. But I I will say this about Mamula, um, he would have been. There, there are people that tell you that he was nobody knew who he was, and just at the combine he became a star. No, he was a good player at Boston College. I mean, he had a Boston College had a big upset win at South Bend against Notre Dame that year, and he had three and a half sacks in that game. So uh, and he had a, a big bowl game against Kansas State. So he was a good player. Now he wouldn't have been drafted top ten probably. But the idea that he was a total came-out-of-nowhere combine creation, that's not entirely accurate. Right, but the other aspect of it that everybody remembers is when they made the trade and they traded down with Tampa, they lost the opportunity to get the guy that Tampa took with that pick who only turned out to be a Hall of Famer, Warren Sapp. Right, but there, were, but that was, there was all the drug stuff with, with Warren Sapp Yeah, Sapp that's at true. The well, they probably would have. They, they, I think that scared them off more than anything. It may have, but didn't scare off Tampa, and they got a Hall of Famer. And they got a great player, right. Yeah. What else you got? Yeah, I, as far as I, I hear you guys complain about Gritty a lot, and it sounds to me like, hey, Gritty, get off my lawn. And I, I just feel like it's misplaced because, like, well, it's not. You don't, it's, you don't it, here, big shot. Well, no, here's what it is. Big shot for the ruling trade or, or the fanatic for how bad the Phillies are. Well, no, but here, because here's what it is. The. And I, I don't know how much you, you follow the Flyers from there and how much you follow the social media and, and, and all of that, but. The Flyers have tried to escape their horrible play and terrible decisions by waving Gritty in front of you as a distraction. Um, 
when they lost, and I'm trying to get the details right, about a month ago when they lost their 13th game in a row or whatever, set the franchise record for futility, was the same day that they blasted all over their social media that there was a new video game where where Gritty, you were on the video game, I believe, if I have this correct, you, the player, were dressed as a hot dog and Gritty was chasing you to eat you. And I'm thinking... This isn't really what you ought to be focusing on now, and that's the problem with gritty. I, I get that, but I'm not. I, I don't think any of us know that that's intentional. I mean, you. you well, you got to be smarter than that. The, it, yeah, if it's not intentional, it's just dumb. If, yeah, if it, but the marketing department's going to do their thing. Well, uh, somebody's got to monitor stop. that. Yeah, they just. Yeah, I, 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 I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I mean, I heard you. You're trying to make the comparison to the fanatic. I mean, the, the fanatic it w- was just an enhancement to the show. The Phillies were the show. The Phillies in the '70s, when they brought when they brought the fanatic aboard, <laughs> were a team with Steve Carlton and, and Mike Schmidt and Larry Boa and, and Greg and, and Gary Maddox. I mean, they were a really, really good baseball team, a playoff baseball team, and they brought the fanatic in as an enhancement, as a sideshow, as somebody to, to, to interest the kids and amuse the kids. The, the trouble is with the Flyers and Gritty is, the, with the Flyers, Gritty is the show. You know, that's, that's the whole point. They're making him, if the Fanatic was just fun for you when you were at the ballpark, he was, one, he was part of a sideshow. The Flyers want Gritty to be the show because he's the one marketable thing that they have. And that's, and that, and that's the point that Glenn and I keep making, and that's why, that's why the, whole, the whole Gritty thing really, really bothers us. I get. It. I just think it's chicken and egg because they just happen to be incompetent at team building, and they they, actually, they happen to hit a home run with gritty no. almost accidentally. I and, think. And thanks, Jason. Uh, thanks I think it. they'd be wise to to back off on it. So no, they're not it. going to because gritty stuff no. sells. Yeah, that's 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 what they got to sell. Right, it sells more than jerseys. It sells more than anything else they got. I understand it. It doesn't mean I have to like it. Irene in the Northeast is with us. Hello, Irene. Hello, guys. How are you? All Hi. right. I wanted to uh, comment on the Ben Simmons issue, um, the mental health. Um, I, now, let me preface this by saying nobody can say for sure whether or not he has an issue or not. But my opinion, I've had some mental health experience. I think he's suffering from a false sense of entitlement because he doesn't seem to be having a problem now. And all of a sudden he has to come back to Philly and he's got a back issue and he can't play. Uh, I think that he's done a big disservice to um, those who suffer from mental illness, and he missed a great opportunity to take that. He doesn't have to disclose his issue. He could have just said personal reasons. But once you put it out as mental health, I think, especially as an athlete, you have an obligation to turn that around. And mental health has such a stigma. Mm-hmm. You know, people have mental health issues. It doesn't mean that mental health issues have to have them. And I think he just missed a wonderful opportunity to say, hey, I'm an athlete, I'm famous, I'm successful, and I have mental illness. You're not a freak of nature because you have mental illness. And I think it's just that. And, and if he used it, as an excuse for his immaturity, I think, like yeah. you said, it, it's disgusting. And and very nicely said by you. Thank you. And thanks for checking in and thanks for sharing that. I mean, you know, one of the issues with Simmons was the timing of it, which you never heard anything about it until the Sixers said, well, we're not going to pay you. We're not going to pay you, right. To not play. And it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, 
I've got this thing. And so it just, it never rang true. So nobody wants to, nobody wants to question people who have a mental illness. We've been through that with other athletes in this town with Ben. It just seemed kind of opportunistic. Yeah, it just seemed all too convenient. And that's, and and if that's really what was at work, and I don't know the man, but I certainly, that's certainly the conclusion that I drew, then I think it's a, it's an, it's an awful thing to do for the people and the, for the people that really deal with it and families that really deal with it. I think it's just an awful, awful thing to do. All right, we'll come back. We'll grab a few calls. We'll find out from our producer, Vince Quinn, what we forgot to talk about today. Kyle Quinn. That's the better of the Quinns. (laughs) Cousins? Correct, Cousins. There you go. Oh, how about that? Yeah, he's the better cousin. Uh, we'll forgot what we forgot to talk about today. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. All right, Ray, let's grab a few calls and then uh, find out what we forgot to talk about today from our producer, Kyle Quinn. Andy, Mount Laurel, what's on your mind today? Hey, fellas, good to talk to you guys. It's been a while, but always a pleasure, man. Thank you, sir. Um, Yeah, you got it. Um. I like that Philly pick. Uh, I know we shouldn't prioritize on an offensive lineman, but Polynesian Wall right there, Maialata, Sayamalu, Philly, and Opeta is a backup. That's that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good <laughs> bunch of talent on the offensive line. But I'm not worried about the offensive line, guys. I think we're going to be in good shape, healthy, and I think we got good backups. But I agree with you guys. We got to get three picks on defense. I know Hutchinson's not going to be there. I damn right know Thibodeau's not going to be there. Jordan Davis hopefully might slide down, but I doubt it. But, hey, Jermaine Johnson caught my attention. I like this kid, right, and, yep. um, and Glenn. He, he's got good size, 6'5", 260. I, I, think he, I think he could really fit in with the Eagles. Uh, defense is a good edge rusher. Um, Dean is going to slide down with his size. I think he's six foot two twenty five. I think that's pretty generous. But I think that would be an excellent pickup, Ray. I agree 100% with you. Yeah, I love I him. I love him. And I think, oh. I think, when they, I, I think he's – Got to go, Andy. Thanks. Yeah, yeah I think he's going to be – I don't even think he's going to measure six. They, they list him at six to six one, and I think he's more like 5'11", which will scare teams off. But he's he, – to me, he's the best linebacker in the bunch. I mean, I liked him better than Lloyd, uh, and I still do. I mean, that's – I have seven. I have seven of the Georgia defensive players going in the first two rounds. Wow! Which originally I thought, you know, that's just me because I really like Georgia. But but to be honest with you, given the way they've tested and looking, even in a really loaded defensive class, I think they're going to have seven guys go in the first two rounds. I really do. I'd like to see the Eagles get at least one of them. Doug in Ottsville, what's on your mind, Doug? Hey, I, so this is a question for both you guys. Do you think that if we switch to Minshew, we lose any more games than we had? With Hertz next year. That's my yes. first question. Uh, the answer I, the would, fact, I would say yes. So? Right. All right. Right. Ray, you want to answer that one? Uh, the question is if they if they went with Minshew next year, next no, year, no, this coming year, this coming year, they would lose more games. Yeah. Yeah, I think they would. Okay. Second question. Okay. All right. I I just I, I would I would actually like to see Minshew more with our receivers to see what we have. I like Hertz. I think he's got upside. But my question is, you know, is is Quez Watkins better with somebody more accurately throwing the ball. You know, who who knows? You know, we all know Rager's not good, but like, yeah, and and I hear you, and and and, you know, it's a question we've been over a lot. And to me, it's just I want to see Hertz. I want to see his upside. I want to give him one more year. If it doesn't happen, then next year we'll see what's available. But um, I want to. I liked what I saw from a kid who's 23 years old, and I don't want to throw it all away because of the bad playoff game. Yeah. 
And I think that's part of the problem. His worst game he played all year was the last game he played, and that's what's that's what people are thinking about when they talk about him. But I mean, you look back over it, and you look back over the year, um, and how much he improved in one year's time. It's significant. It, it really is. I mean, he went from a fifty percent completion guy to a sixty-one percent completion guy, uh, and I think I think there's something there, and I think you got to give it another year to develop. All right, last caller of the day is John. What is uh, what's up, John? Guys, great show. I said two things. Um, one comment, one petty grape. Uh, first of all, wasn't Jaworski a trade? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They traded him. They traded him to the Rams for the rights to Charlie Young. That was one of the best trades, right? That was a good one. Yeah. I mean, Ronnie came in and took it to the playoffs four straight years. He was a really good player. Okay. I know you're uh, one petty grape. Um, two quick questions: Do the um, do the Knicks play in Times Square? The Knicks play in Madison Square Garden, which is not Times Square. Yes. Do the do the uh, Lakers play in Hollywood? They play in Inglewood. They play in Inglewood. Yes. Why do the Heat play in South Beach? I, I can't answer this question. I'm not sure why. Why I would care. I mean, nationally, everyone says the Heat play on South Beach. It's a small area on the beach. The Heat play nowhere near South Beach. Okay. It's like I, saying I, the I, Heat play on Fort Lauderdale. This seems like an issue that I'm not going to lose sleep over. <laughs> so there you go. When people, uh, you know, when when the cool people think of Miami, they think of South Beach. That's I know, it. and it's, and in the NBA, it's all about being cool. Uh, it's fine. I didn't. That this was not important to me. But let us find out from our producer Kyle Quinn. Yes. What issues we failed to cover today? Well, fellas, we did a lot of yearning today over the Flyers of old, and uh, I mean, I know things are pretty bad with the organization right now, but this this should warm the hearts of some. Former Flyer Wayne Simmons played his 1,000th NHL yeah. game last night in, in his, uh, his hometown, Toronto, against the Canucks. They did lose, though. Uh, yeah, well, that's Toronto. I, I loved Wayne Simmons when he was here. He was, he was a really solid play. They got him from Mike Richards. He played, what, like seven years here maybe, eight years here. Um, always scored 20 to 30 goals. Won the Messier Award, if you recall that one, for leadership in the league. Just was a real solid guy and a good player and tough. Ooh, yeah, very tough. He's yeah. uh he's my favorite uh, hockey player of all time, no question. No, oh, that's is not that a right? Bad pick. No, that's he. I mean, I, I liked him a lot. Um, when I got the chance to watch him, see him more when he came here, I knew he was a tough guy. Uh, but when he came here and I got a chance to see him on a regular basis, I began to appreciate what a good player he was. I mean, yeah. he was he was a much he was a much better hockey player than I gave him credit for. Yeah, he yep. pretty much is the Flyers for me, Wayne Simmons. So always no, will, uh, always they, will have. Love they could use guy. a few of those right now. <laughs> and a thousand could. games, good for him. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's a career. Yep. Congrats to Wayne Simmons. And uh, we also mentioned today, guys, we we're uh, talking about the potential replacements for Kevin Franson because he's leaving for Washington. It's actually Scott Fransky's fiftieth birthday today, guys. Wow. Really? Yeah. He carries it well, Ray. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> the youngish fifty. Yeah. Good for him. Mm. All right. So happy birthday uh, to Scott. Larry, Larry Anderson, what, 51? <laughs> something like that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> okay. All right, Ray. You might want to uh, shield your ears for this one. This is a uh, John Heyman tweet from yesterday about uh, one of the potential proposals for MLB expansion. They're actually going to meet again today in Manhattan, so I've heard. But uh, this is brutal. So John Heyman tweets, Players Union agreed to 12-team postseason but would consider at least one 14-team option, okay? Five-game first series. Seed number one gets a bye. Now, here's where it gets awful. Seeds two and three start with, quote-unquote, ghost wins versus seeds six and seven. So they would start the series up one to nothing. The MLB prefers 14 teams, 
but has said no to five game first series and ghost wins. So this is an MLBPA proposal. And from what I'm hearing, uh, frontlined by one Max Scherzer. Uh, Rhea, I'll let you uh, do the comment. No, I, 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 I have no comment. <laughs> That's just so preposterous. It's just, it's just so preposterous. Why don't you just let everybody in? Okay, don't even eliminate anybody. Just you know, play the season and then play the postseason and let all the teams in. And and you know and ghost half. I, it's, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> Give a free win while you're at it. Oh it's, yeah. It's so it's so ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, to me, the, to me, the way to make the game better, the, it, it's it's not that hard to figure out. I mean, it's just, but they just aren't willing to do it. They're they're caught up in the minutia, and that's what's frustrating everybody. Yep. So that's uh, good. I like the way Ray wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to uh, end the nah, show on the, uh, that note for Ray. Oh, one last thing, real quick, because this was kind of the talk of the week. Huge, huge build up for this one. These Duke fans spent thousands and thousands of dollars to uh, go to go to Cameron, see yeah. the man Coach K, and it ended in catastrophe. They lost to their heated rivals, North Carolina. They actually kind of got blown out. They yeah, did lost badly. They did, and I lo- I looked it up. They were a twelve point favorite going into actually a twelve and a half point favorite going into the game, and they lose they lose that game and is and is going away to North Carolina. Awesome. It could not it could not have gone worse. <laughs> Ray, I believe the three of us are all smiling at that. Yeah, yes. yeah, it was. It's uh, there is there is justice in the world. I mean, Coach K loses his last game in Cameron, and the same week that Herb McGee wins his last game at uh, at Gallagher Fieldhouse out there at Jefferson University. So there is justice in the world. Yeah, I'm delighted. The, I'm, the good you know, guys do win every so often. Every once in a while, there you go, Kyle Quinn. Great job by you, uh, Ray. I well, you and I are both off next weekend, so uh, I will be seeing you next. I guess at the Eagles Town Hall we are doing on Wednesday the sixteenth. Right. Stay tuned. I'm, I hear rumors that Jack Fritz is going to carry you through the afternoon. No kidding. That's the rumor. So everybody enjoy that uh, and enjoy the week. Ray and I appreciate you listening. Stay right here on 94 WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.